All right, so we got a question. Why wouldn't the Jags take a look at Ndamukong Sue, your former teammate, on that defensive front where they need so much help? And Yep, definitely a three technique. <clears throat> he signs with Tampa for a one-year, $8 million deal. So not much. I mean, certainly affordable. I've got a thought that I really think the Jaguars are trying to get away from, and, and this might be a little unfair to Sue because I, I, it's not like I've covered him and know all the stories, but I, I think the perception is whether he's a dirty player, he could be a selfish player, he could be that kind of guy, even though I think he's very smart from the stories you've told us and obviously a very good football player. I think they're trying to get away from those kind of players. It's like a and, bad image? Bad. I don't care. I don't know if they care about the perception of them. I think they care more about how the fit is internally. Hmm. And so whether it's the me, me, me player, anybody that might have, listen, everybody's got a shade of, of me, me, me in the NFL. I mean, it's individual as much as his team. Might be the ultimate team game, but certainly is individual based yeah. uh, in terms of protecting your career and what's next for your career. And I don't know if Sue is that, but he comes with that kind of. He comes with a little bit of history that makes you wonder if he is that, you know, uh, and and so is that a reason why maybe they didn't even go after a guy like Ebron, you know, is well, that? Let me ask you this though: When's the last time you heard something bad about Endomican Sue? Yeah, I guess most of it in that sense is Tampa more Bay. Dirty, I don't right? really remember that much. I mean, I don't think I heard anything from him from Tampa Bay. No, it was a while ago that he got yeah. labeled the dirty player, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, maybe it does. I, I just feel like. I, I guess there's not – if I say Adamican Sue to an NFL fan, most people are like, oh, like the player, but yeah. kind of – doesn't he have like this bad guy persona? No, well, I mean, without a doubt, there was one time, you know, when – I think it was like 2012 when Sports Illustrated came in to interview every single player, and then we had to give like we think the dirtiest players, and the winner by a landslide was Adamican Sue. So I guess my point even to that, and I might be real spinny here, is that if if that's the perception of Indomitian Sue, well, being a dirty player can also be kind of a selfish player because you're okay. not doing anything to help the team. I mean, you could be hurting the team. You could be, you know, whatever it is. Um, I, I just think the bigger picture part of this is anybody that – I, and I don't think you rule out everybody. I think you have to make some kind of – it's okay to have some of these kind of guys on the team, even if it is a little me, 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 or it comes with a label, or it's not always perceived as angelic, as Dave Caldwell once said. I, I, I said this last week. I said the biggest criticism of Dave Caldwell, believe it or not, on top of some of the moves and mispicks and what in the record – uh, that should probably be the biggest criticism, actually, is the record. But maybe the second best one, biggest one, is how the makeup of the team has been, and the miscalculation of even the talent that was assembled on 16 and 17, but to turn into what it turned into in 18 and 19, and I think what would be perceived as a me me kind of way. I think everybody went after their own stuff in 18 because they made it big in 17. They said, "Ah, oh, here comes my star power. It's my term. It's a branding day and age." Jalen Ramsey, Telvin Smith, maybe even a Miles Jack fell into that a little bit. I think you had too many guys like that. The makeup of the team, the composition of the team wasn't sustainable. It wasn't uh, team first. It didn't feel that way on so many levels. I'm not saying every guy, but it didn't feel that way. I think the move with Joe Schobert, from what we know of him, from what we've heard from other folks in Cleveland, I think fits 
and is kind of an example of what they're trying to do in terms of change that a little bit, change the the inside of their locker room to be it's all about team. It's all about team. It's all about team. Your stuff will come, but it's all about team, and we don't want too many of these me, me, me guys on there. Does that make some sense? It makes some sense, but at the same time, I have a hard time defending that you won't give Ndamukong Sue a chance if he's been you know on good behavior the past couple of years, but you give a guy like Al Woods a chance who tested positive for PEDs last year, and now you sign him to a new deal. So, I mean, I think it goes both ways. Not saying the whole Al Woods thing was a bad signing. I think everyone makes mistakes, and I'm sure he's owned up to it, and he's a better person for it. But I'm just saying, you can't tell me that the Jaguars are worried about their brand and you know having the right guys in the locker room if you bring in guys that have tested positive for PEDs. Yeah, that's a that's an okay call there. I think it's a less risky one. You're not spending eight million dollars for a year on Al Woods. Yeah, uh, I don't know what the actual finances that deal ended up being, but I don't think it was that much. Um, but I, I guess, and, and maybe that's not why they didn't take a run at Sue. You know, mm-hmm. but obviously you could have gotten a little bit of a bidding war with Sue to get you know Tampa Bay. I think right now. They have a bunch of leverage because of Brady. Mm-hmm. So you could get Sue for a one-year $8 million. Jags might have had to spend $10 million a year on him. And keep in or, mind, Tampa you know Bay's I mean? a huge fan of Sue because they actually let Gerald McCoy go for Absolutely. Sue. Yeah, and know? they're familiar with him, and they know what they have in him. So, uh, I, I, and we just talked about him yesterday, I think it was, where he had a down year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's my over – It either whether it's with Sue specifically or not, I think – it's something that continues to stick out to me is that I think they want to reshape that locker room. Um, that 18 year still screams out to everybody. You know, the, the locker room was bad. It was just a bad mix. And that's even with a guy like Calais Campbell in there. I'm not saying everybody was bad, by the way. I'm just saying you had too many of them. Mm-hmm. Too many maybe selfish players, maybe bad – maybe I always call it immature players – you know, didn't see the big picture. Uh, we're more, more concerned about getting theirs at, you know, uh, at the time. You know, look, look, I always say Jalen Ramsey is always going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. So that's okay. When he plays like that, you, but you can't, ha- can you have five or six of those guys, especially if they're not playing at the level Jalen Ramsey is going to play at or you expect them to play at? Listen, uh, I'm not trying to run a campaign here saying that the Jaguars should have signed Dominican Sue, but I'm just going to say this, and I've said this before. I think in terms of Adamican Sue, he was just born in the wrong decade. Okay, if this guy would have came up in the 70s or the 80s, we would have celebrated him. We we would have had him on every single NFL films crunch course or whatever those films you watched on the VHS growing up as a kid, and you would have celebrated that. Right? It just so happens that nowadays, for some of the things that he's done, you definitely can't get away with it. And I'm not saying it's right because it's not right. You know, I think sometimes you just let the emotions get the best of him, and he sees red. Okay, and I'm not trying to take his side and everything, but I'm just saying from a physical player, from a player that brings the intensity on the football field um, and that brings that toughness. You want to talk about the Jaguars, what do they lack right now? We always talk about, well, they have speed on defense. They have speed, but do, do they have the physical attributes? Are they tough in the trenches? You had a guy like Ndamukin Sue, and assuming he doesn't you know, go off the, go off the wall and, and you know, have this dirty play, well, that guy brings toughness to your team. Now, once again, not saying the Jaguars should have signed him. I'm just saying where you have to balance a little bit. I get the guy's a dirty player, but guess what? He's also a physical one, too, that can add to your team. Yeah, and listen, I agree with you, too. I'm, I'm not saying you have to have – let's not go back to the Gene Smith. You have to have a captaincy. You, know, you yeah. have to be a, a choir boy, all those things. I, I'm not saying that. But, you have to be married. Yeah. Um, but I do think you have to watch out how many you have of that. They mm-hmm. got away from the Jacks. It, it, when they write the book on it in 10 years and people are willing to talk, heck, 
D.D. Westbrook brought it up last year, going into last year. Yeah. He actually said it. Yeah. Very few people would be able to say it, but they had too many of those guys thinking about themselves. I'm not sure if I ever told the story, but one of the biggest times I got yelled at um, in the locker room was when, because there's rumors that Gene Smith was looking for guys that had wives and everything. Obviously, at the time when I was playing for the Jaguars, I didn't. And I put on Twitter if anybody had any good uh, sites to like a Russian mail order bride. And that, that got out to management, and they were not impressed with me, let's just say. Well, you just thought it was job security. Well, we didn't have Tinder back then, okay? Times were tough. All I had was Facebook, and I had a Russian mail and a bride service. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be here for the long haul. I'm trying to get a second contract. From that to John Shabby coming up next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, one good thought on the Indominus Sioux. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Stan says... Yeah, what if you're having a three, four, five win season? How's a player like Sue going to react? I do think they ask those questions, you know, in terms of the makeup of your locker room. How are they going to handle stuff if it's not going to be like this go for broke season? Of course, Sue's in a better spot, by the way. If you could be in Dominican Sue, you go to Tampa or you go to Jacksonville. Yeah, you go but to Tampa right mind, now. He was but. in Miami, and Miami didn't do that well when he was there. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, so they did okay with him. I mean, they but really I don't, tore I don't that know if they had any cheap stuff in Miami. I don't. All I remember, like, I, I'm just, I remember the times that he was in Detroit, is what sticks out to me. Um, for the you know the quote unquote dirty stuff that he did, yeah, but maybe well, could you maybe know? he had some yeah. incidents in Miami too. I don't know. Uh, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, and we are glad to be joined by John Shambi, ESPN play-by-play man for Major League Baseball, and has done so many things over the years. Um, it's really Boog Shambi. Which one do you prefer, John Boog? Oh, it doesn't matter. Boog is fine. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. And, uh, tell us the story, if anybody doesn't know, uh, how far it goes back to, to the Boog Powell days. And you've widely accepted uh, the nickname of Boog, haven't you? Yeah, I got it 1993 when I went to go work in South Florida at WQAM. And a guy gave me that nickname, and it just kind of stuck. So, and I would say just working in baseball, it's it's worked for me. It absolutely has. You know, I was trying to uh, pull up a picture and just uh, verify and say, okay, yeah, I can see that, no doubt. Uh, I can see why that stuck. What's interesting about Boog Powell, and I did not realize, he actually went to Key West High School. And if you've ever been down to the, the Keys and you go out there and you're like, yeah, they actually have a high school in Key West. And I've been by that thing so many times. I'm like, man, I wonder what it's like to go to high school at Key West. Well, he went there, Boog Powell. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, I've gotten to spend some time around him. He's a good dude. He's uh, the first time that I met him, I started to sort of stumble and explain that I stole his nickname. But because he spends time in Key West, um, he was like, oh, "I know who you are." He was he was great about it. He was gracious in terms of me thieving his nickname. That's very good. Uh, John Shabby with us, uh, voice of Major League Baseball at ESPN and has done so many other things, including a, a long-time host of, of radio shows. Uh, wow. Uh, can you produce it up for us this time of year? Uh, how would you be... What would be your go-to right now if you were hosting a, a radio show uh, with no sports going on? No idea. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> Get some guests. I don't know, man. It's hard. 
hard. Yeah, we, to be honest with you, we obviously we live in Jacksonville, and so the NFL is is uh, a king. And with the NFL doing so much of their free agency, it, it has not hit us yet uh, in that regard. But it's going to. I mean, this is going to be a pretty uh, long layoff. And I was thinking when we were going to have you on, just baseball in itself. There's probably not another sport. I don't think so, at least. I uh, grew up a huge fan of baseball. That That is dictated by the calendar more than baseball. We know, especially if you're up north, you know, pitchers and catchers report. Well, you know that's mid-February. You know spring is on the horizon. Opening day, well, spring is here, man. It's, you finally get outside and stop shoveling some snow, hopefully. Uh, Midsummer classic in the All-Star game. You've got the barbecues and you're grilling out and it's hot and steamy uh, up in New England. And and then, of course, uh, win, fall and, and, and winter coming right around the playoffs and, and uh, the World Series. The schedule of baseball helps dictate our lives sometimes, especially if you're a big fan of it in certain parts of the country. That's what makes this kind of so bizarre right now. you got to be a little lost like so many baseball fans. Yeah, it's weird. There's no question. It's it's definitely weird. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. You know, we were going to open tomorrow, and now that's not happening. John, when we're talking about, you know, time heals all wounds, right? And I think nothing applies more to that right now than the Houston Astros. I was ready to watch, like, a Houston Astros pay-per-view of the first team that they played because I wanted to see how many batters were going to get beamed. Well, now, obviously, you know, with the outbreak and everything, the pandemic going on, um, baseball is kind of on the back burner, and we're waiting to see when it comes back. How much does this benefit the Houston Astros in terms of are people going to forget what they did last year, and now all of a sudden maybe some teams might take it easy on them a little bit? Well, I I don't think that I think the way you're going to experience it more with the Astros and would have regardless is the way the fans are going to react. It's going to feel like a playoff game. It's going to have um, an intensity that normally isn't there in the regular season. I don't think you're going to see. I think you'll see some spots here and there where somebody does something, but for the most part, I don't think it's going to be a league-wide thing. I do think that relative to the focus on it and the negativity surrounding it, um, yeah, this does neuter it a little bit. So I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that, that it definitely will end up being a situation where the Astros probably aren't going to feel it quite to the degree uh, that they might have um, had the season started on time and, and no delay. I just think we're going to be so starved for baseball, period. Absolutely. John Shambi with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, voice of uh, Major League Baseball on ESPN. And it was a couple of weeks ago in spring trading, now maybe going back about a month ago. And I don't know how much fun this was for you. It was about as fun as I've been had listening to a spring trading game um, that I can remember. And, and I thought so much credit goes to Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, but a lot of credit should go to you and Jessica Mendoza and, and, and the broadcast crew because – that is just as much a part of it in the interaction when you had those players mic'd up. We're going to play a little bit of a clip from it, and then I want to ask you about how good that was for baseball, and is it a sign of the future? Take a listen. Oh, yeah. Damn. Get there. Get down. Dang it. Foul. What was that? Fastball early on. Now I'm tired. <laughs> oh, my goodness. These are the worst. I have to run these out. 
<laughs> so uh, that was Chris Bryant, Chicago Cubs uh, slugger, of course, and he was mic'd up for that spring training game. You guys did a fantastic job with that. How f- much fun was it? And, John, do we see that someday down the road in some capacity? It was about as well-received as I've seen something from baseball, especially in spring yeah. training in a long, long time. It was well-received. There's no question. Those two guys were great. I give them all the credit. They were fully invested. I told Chris Bryant, you know, we were going to have Anthony Rizzo mic'd up, and he ended up saying, you know, that he would do it as well, and we'd have them together. And then KB said to me in the clubhouse before the game, hey, can I just leave this on? And I looked at him kind of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he was he was all in, and they just had fun with it, and we got a chance to see – a side of these guys you don't always get to see. Look, do I think during an important part of the the season we're going to have the ability to talk in Anthony Rizzo's ear? No, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But I do think that any exhibition style, they should be open to it. And I think that even in important games, you know, guys that aren't playing, there should be some two-way stuff. And you just – yeah, you got more – it got so much attention. And, you know, for people who aren't big baseball fans, it sucked them in a little bit. So I, I think it's it's something that, you know, the Players Association is going to have to to get with and uh, hopefully we'll see more of it down the line. John, I think that's been one of the things about baseball, too. Other sports do such a great job of branding their players. I mean, baseball has so many young stars, yet I don't know they transcend the sport of baseball. It's been one of the problems for big league baseball. Mike Trout should be this megastar all over the world, and maybe he is to some degree, but he's not like LeBron James and and maybe some of our NFL guys as well. You know that. Uh, This was an awesome indoor look at some of these guys, their lives, and I think the other part of it is people love storytelling in baseball more than any sport. We love listening to whether it's current players or old time players tell stories, don't we? Yeah, no doubt. I think that's a big uh, a big thing. So uh, this this helps in in many ways. I, I completely agree. It does. Well, speak- and uh, you know, we got to see more of it. Speaking of stories, uh, Chipper Jones uh, did go to the bowl school here in Jacksonville, and it was about a yep. year ago, I think, that you told the story of the epic glare that uh, he gave you. Uh, yeah. Would you mind revisiting uh, that a little bit in case folks from Jacksonville haven't heard it yet? But it's a great story. Yeah, it was. So it was 2008. I was doing the Braves games. I talked to him before the game. I asked him, why are you swing at the first pitch so much? And he said, because time I'm going to get a fastball. And I said, yeah, but they don't throw you a lot of first pitch strikes. And he said, right, but. You know, I'm looking for a fastball, and it's probably the only pitch in the count I'm going to get one. So, anyway, fast forward. The conversation has to break up. He has field. I go up to do the game. First at bat for him, two outs, nobody on. Tim Stauffer on the mound, who is not a hard thrower. And Stauffer pumps one right down the middle at 91 miles an hour, and he steps out and just stares at me in the booth. And, I mean, we just lost it. And... He just stared at me as if to say, see, that's that's why I do what I do. And uh, we told the story and, you know, showed the video of it, which was incredible. And he was great about it. And it was fun just because we brought it up. He brought it up. And we I was going to, 
But we had had no discussion about it. And then when he joined us in the booth, he happened to bring it up. And, you know, credit to our production group. They just executed it flawlessly, and we got to tell that story. And then we had him on for a full nine innings later in the year, and uh, now I'm going to be working with him, so it'll be fun. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, great story. And, uh, of course, uh, Chipper Jones went to the bowl school here in Jacksonville. What I did not know about that until you just said it is I didn't know Stauffer was on the mound from Spa Catholic, Saratoga Springs, New York. A uh, little known fact, Austin Lane, I might share that one. I covered him when I was up in the old New York area. So uh, that was pretty cool. I didn't know he was part of that story. All right, let's talk big picture, and then we'll let you run. When are you going to work, man? I mean, what do you think? Uh, how long can this play out until Major League Baseball really has to make huge adaptations to the season? And I think they are the one sport that might be in danger of, if anybody, possibly losing its season. And am I, am I out of my mind? I don't think that's off the table. I wouldn't put it at likely, but I I, I don't think that that's um, – you know, that's out of the question. I, I think it, I'd put it at like, I don't know, 30%. Yeah. But I, to me, the biggest thing is, you know, th- is there's the business component and the players are going to want to make as much as they can. But from an entertainment standpoint, and again, so like I'm not making these, th- but like I don't know when we'll, we'll be ready to go because in the end, like, trying to get that answer out of me it's i mean you might as well ask dr fauci you know what i mean i don't know what what's really going to happen but what i will say is i don't care about trying to play 162 games so that's one of my big angles here is if it's 140 fine if it's 120 fine whatever but i'm not interested in playing you know seven inning double headers four times a week so we can get to 162. Like, I don't think 162 is a necessity. For me, it's not. I don't think for the sport it is. Now, revenue-wise, people may argue that it is, and I don't have a counter-argument, but from an equity standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, I certainly don't need for them to figure out a way to play 162. Like, a hundred or more will be just fine. Yeah, I agree with you. John Shambi, uh, voice of Major League Baseball on ESPN. Uh, I'm going to leave you with one more question, and that's because I'm getting a lot of texts about, hey, I love listening to, to, to Boog on the Atlanta Braves broadcast or uh, back in the day with the Florida Marlins, now Miami Marlins. Uh, how fond of those days are, are you of the time with uh, the Braves especially? We have a lot of Braves fans around here. I loved it. I, I loved it so much. They, the Brace friends treated me so well. And, you know, they had longtime broadcasters and Skip Carey and Pete Van Weeren and Joe Simpson was my partner. Um, and obviously Don Sutton as well. And, and, you know, I, I got a chance to be around Chipper and John Smoltz and Tom Glavin. And it was special. And, you know, Bobby Cox as well and John Sherholtz. I learned a ton. It was a really good fan base. And, yeah, I just I enjoyed it so much. And they had great players. So that was that was a blast. Well, now you could be in the booth soon enough with Chipper Jones. John Shambi from ESPN. We appreciate the time, man. Uh, be well. Hope your family's well. And look forward to uh, hearing you back in the booth soon. Thanks, you guys. All right. Uh, John Shambi. Uh, 
play-by-play voice for Major League Baseball and ESPN, Boog Shambi, as he goes by uh, to so many. Interesting to hear him say that about the Major League Baseball season. I can t- Last night, I think Jeff Passan, uh, who is ESPN's uh, writer for Major League Baseball and kind of insider guy, he laid out a bunch of different things. And there were so many things on the table. I'm telling you, the people in charge right now, and of in leadership positions, whether it's at your company, whether it's in the city, whether it's in the country, medical to politicians to whoever. And again, I, this is uh, without political bias here. I, I don't I don't care if you're a, a Democrat, Republican. I understand there's going there are going to be bad feelings towards some and there are going to be angles and sides everybody takes. And I understand there's going to be criticism of, of leaders at, at all different levels. I get it. Uh, but. Uh, the amount of information that they are taking in right now and the amount of angles that they have to think of. See, from our standpoint, we're thinking about, hey, man, when are we going to get uh, the, the Braves and, and Dodgers back on ESPN with John Shabby? Sure. Well, Major League Baseball is trying to figure it out from a whole different world. <clears throat> Economically, absolutely. Mm-hmm. How many games can they play? What if they started around All-Star weekend time and that's when they started to play? Where are they going to play their postseason if it runs deep into November and maybe December because of all these cold weather weather cities? How do you play pay minor leaguers? How do you pay staff? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does minor league baseball work here with Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp? I mean, there are so many different things to it. And if you read the Passan article and about what Major League Baseball is thinking and trying to do, it's really a fascinating deep dive at what all these organizations have to do. And keep in mind, the NBA right in the middle of it, NHL right in the middle of it. Major League Baseball is about to launch it. Again, I will continue to say the NFL gets this huge break in this. Like as we rewrite this thing down the road. Well, they do right now. I mean, right it depends now they how are getting a big break. We'll see going. where it goes. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. Fair enough. Th- that's the biggest thing with, like, the NHL, with baseball, with basketball right now. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of tentacles to it, but the hardest thing is that you don't know a timetable yet because we don't know what's going to happen still. You Very know what I mean? We're, we're kind of living day by day right now. So, you know, for anyone to come out and say, yeah, we're going to have a schedule right now and MLB's going to open up this day, it's just you, you can't say it. When you can't say it and you have uncertainty, it's one of the hardest things to know. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. I'm sure it's a frustrating thing for Major League Baseball. It's a frustrating thing for families right now. It's just it's the uncertainty, man. We yeah, don't know. Absolutely. And and there's my point in the NFL is there's a huge amount of time still, April, May, June, July, heck, even August, mm-hmm. before they would really have to get on the gas pedal about some of these things and be like, well, Whoa, what are we doing? That's a lot of time. These other organizations haven't had time. Mm-hmm. School districts had a spring break week and maybe not to figure it out. So, listen, sports isn't of the utmost part of this, but sports, as we have found out now in the last couple of weeks, you know, whether people wanted to say it's a fun little entertainment thing or not, it is a huge economic driver mm-hmm. for a lot of people at work, but also just in general, it is a huge economic driver. And it's going to be a big part of the story that gets told about this time in history with the coronavirus pandemic. And the NFL having to not be able to get physicals as quickly as they want, visits to franchises, pro days. That is about as my cry me a river about that. I mean, that is about as minor. Adam Silver, I'm telling you, he's like, yeah, well, how about you come deal with this stuff? We have 16 games to go in the regular season. Rob Manfred's like, you want to come deal with our issues? We have minor league baseball. We were just about to launch our season. Mm-hmm. We can't even get it going now. So it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, it really is. I think once in a while we have to remind ourselves to kind of sit back 
and think about the scope of this. Uh, and I think we are feeling it. I still say, and, and maybe this is just a personal thing, and I'm sure each and every one of us are impacted differently, but I still feel like we're two weeks away from feeling it, and maybe even three or four, to the depths that it will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from a sports standpoint, Major League Baseball is right in the middle of it. I mean, they are supposed to be having opening day tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it's not happening. And I think what John Chompy just said, I think he's right on the money. First of all, he said, hey, I put it at a 30% chance they don't have the season. Because when, how far do you get before you say, you know, we're just not having a season? And part of the article that I read was fascinating, man. Mookie Betts essentially went to the Dodgers on a one-year deal. He's going to be a free agent after this year. Sure. What if he never plays for the Dodgers? Well, one would think that, he, I mean, do they make a rule where Mookie Betts has to play one year with the Dodgers? I, I mean, don't know. So we don't Great know what's in. We don't know, man. Like, it's just, there's just, there's so much uncertainty right now. And I guess you just got to kind of take it one step at a time, you know? And, and once we get figured out with what's going on and what, what the timetable is going to be, they can get a better idea. But right now, we're in the dark like everybody else. Man. Yeah. And yeah. I do agree. I, I think, I don't know if it's 30% chance. I, I do think Major League Baseball could be in trouble. Uh, there are a lot of loopholes to jump through. I like the idea of playing doubleheaders, catch up on some games. Uh, I think we could get to a point where they will take an economic bath because they won't have fans in the stands or they have to play their, their, their most popular games, which could be their postseason games at neutral sites in other places. Now, could that be fun? Could it be a little bit of a nostalgic kind of thing? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe they come down here and play in spring training sites for in front of 12,000 people. I don't know. Maybe they yeah. play in just the domes well, and, and they're all neutral site. I don't know. And let's be honest, too. A question we have to ask ourselves as well is for attendance, right? Because baseball, I mean, it's a long season. A lot of games are relying on their attendance and uh, to make the, you know, the profit and everything. Well, if people are going through economic hard times right now, when people are actually going to go out and watch a baseball game? Well, that's fair with all the sports, even yeah. football, right? Ticket renewals for the Jags, I think, have been extended through April 24th. Mm-hmm. And I know you could have a joke in here about renewals with everything that's gone on. But the bottom line is just plain dollars. Forget about the bad vibes and the organization, all that stuff. Just dollars. How many people are going to allocate that money? Do they know what they can allocate by April 24th mm-hmm. for something that's in the fall? I would say the answer to that right now, personally, is no. I don't know that answer. Uh, so I think you'll see a bunch of extensions when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, a little basketball talk right after this, Coos. Get excited. Get your mind PJ right. PJ Carlissimo is going to join us. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I didn't know if Coos had something playing Oh, no, back. no. He said he could get <laughs> it just time. looking at me. Yeah, I was like, um, uh... <laughs> Do I go now? What's going on? And there was like no reaction. Oh, yeah. That was just like deadpan. Yep. It's all good, uh, man. Hey, we're just trying to make it. ESPN 690, we're just trying to make it. ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, along with former Jags player, current MMA fighter, Austin Lane, uh, here on ESPN 690, here on a Wednesday. Glad to have you along. And uh, we are uh, happy to be joined right now by... Former NBA coach, former Seton Hall coach, ESPN analyst uh, around the NBA, PJ Carlissimo. All right, PJ, I'm just going to come right at you with this one. I grew up uh, in New England, Providence Friar guy. When you were at Seton Hall, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you and get it out of my system. I might have yelled at you through the TV while you were at Seton Hall or <laughs> or maybe even heckled you if I went to the old Civic Center and watched a Friars game. I apologize in advance. No, I love it. Uh, it was one of my favorite places uh, to play. I still refuse to call it the Dunkin' Donuts or whatever the heck it's called now, but um, it was, uh, it's a great college building. It's always been a good college building, kind of 
going back to Dave Gavitt and Joe Mullaney, you have so many guys, Rick, so many guys coached there, both Ricks, Patino and Barnes. We had a lot of people uh, work in that building. So uh, I used to enjoy my trips to Providence. We didn't always win, but uh, we certainly got uh, good dinners the night before, for sure. Yeah, very good. Federal Hill hopefully was a spot. Uh, good Italian uh, there for you and uh, in Providence. Uh, P.J. Carlissimo with us. I'm going to ask you a lot about the NBA, uh, but <clears throat> I-, I wanted to get your thoughts on Seton Hall. What a bummer for them. Uh, how much do you still kind of in, in your heart of hearts uh, have a, a, a spot for them and what they were doing this year? They were one of the best teams in the land. Yeah, I, I actually thought they uh, they had a realistic chance. I think more teams this year had a chance to win the whole thing than almost any year in recent memory, anyhow. Uh, and the Hall was one of those teams. Uh, they were uh, Kevin Willard is a good friend, uh, the current coach. This this was I stay was their fifth straight year in the NCAA. That's the first time that's ever been done in the school's history. And um, they they had everything. They had a couple of real good bigs, shot blocking. They were good defensively. They had a first-team All-American, Miles Powell. You know, a great player makes a huge difference, particularly a guard in the NCAA tournament. And I was really looking forward to watching them. In the tour. I thought they had, you know, maybe second tier, maybe a Kansas, a couple other schools you'd put in that first group of two or three. But beyond that, uh, the Hall was right there with anybody else. I thought they were a top-ten team, and, and some they could have won uh, the championship this year. That's kind of the... You know, Brent Austin would know it, of course, as, uh, you know, having competed athletically. But, I mean, everybody always asks us about our run in 89 when we got to the, the championship game. And, you know, I always say it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It really was. And for the – at least for the seniors, and, and you know how it is, Austin. I mean, there's – the team's never going to be together again. I don't yeah. care if your whole team is back next year. It's not the same as the group that went through it this year. And for them to not get the chance to do something in the NCAA tournament, you know, that happened to so many uh, young men and young women across the country. And it's happening now with the spring sports. I mean, it wiped out the end of the winter season and uh, took away all the spring sports. So it's uh, not as important as what we're all going through, but it's really uh, sad that they will lose that, particularly the seniors. Well, and I'll tell you what, PJ, you know, and we talked about this last week a little bit. Like, it's one thing if you're a head coach, right, and, and you're in the tournament and maybe you lose a close nail-biter on a last-second buzzer beater. I can see myself going out in the locker room and saying, you know what, the ball just didn't bounce our way, guys. I'm still very proud of you, you know, and this is going to only make you guys stronger as you pursue other things in life. You know, like, that's an easy conversation to have, um, you know, it, re- regardless of the sport. But I cannot picture myself being a head coach and having to tell your team on a phone or like in a team meeting saying, you know what, guys, um, we had a lot of hype going on the tournament. We had a lot of hype going into a, like, a, like a playoff or whatever sport you want to pick. But unfortunately, we, we can't play that because it got taken away from us. And it's nothing that you guys did. It's just it got taken away from us. I just can't imagine being a head coach and have that conversation. I would. I, one of the worst things you'd ever want to deal with. I mean, tell, you know, tell you, put your uniforms away. We're done. Uh, especially for the seniors. I know the NCAA is talking about, you know, maybe doing something. What they're going to do, I don't know. But, it, again, to me, it's not the same. It would be if, if maybe they give people eligibility for another year. But, I mean, I, you know, how do you do that equitably? How many scholarships are involved? So many kids are not on scholarship trying to compete. I mean, it's just a, you know, a terrible situation. But, again, that – you know, for, for so many of them in, in, in all the sports, in all the different sports, I mean, I'm, you know, because I uh, played coach basketball, that's the one you talk about in the NCAA tournament. But if it's the same in any sport, uh, you know, it's just to, 
there's no, there is no way to deal with it. And, and for so many of them, particularly the seniors, it, it really was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it was taken away from them. P.J. Carlissimo with us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Of course, a uh, longtime coach at Seton Hall, then a uh, longtime NBA guy, and still uh, talking about the NBA and college basketball with us, but uh, on ESPN as well. Let's uh, shift over to the NBA, P.J., and uh, wow, what do you do? Uh, what do you do if you're Adam Silver? You just obviously have to wait this out. Uh, do you have a hunch at all? Uh, will they Will they play this thing all the way through July and August if need be and just go as long as they have to? Well, I think Adam has the luxury that the NCAA didn't have and that, you know, college students didn't have. He can wait. Um, you know, what's the thing that's stopping them or will stop them eventually might be the NFL. Uh, other than that, the summer is kind of a slow time. Our networks, I say our, the NBA's networks are, you got ESPN and ABC on one side and Turner on the other side and, um, they have, uh, availability so they can go late with that uh you know un- until you get to, to, to late summer i think they're going to want programming particularly nba programming um it, you know if it happens but i mean so he can wait now how long he can wait i don't know the challenge obviously of bringing everybody back together again start practicing trying to gear it up i mean it's uh you know, we've we've dealt with lockouts and things like that where you started late and you maybe had a shorter season or a shorter preseason. But I mean, this one's off the charts. It's uh, you know, to be away from basketball as long as they will be, and particularly now when the facilities are locked up and it's really a challenge. I mean, other than the some of the veteran guys who literally have built courts and have all kinds of equipment in their own homes, um, it's hard. It's hard to find anywhere to. You know, we even work out. I've got, we got two sons, a junior in high school and an eighth grader, and, you know, they're going crazy like everybody. Uh, playgrounds, I, I live in Seattle, Washington, so um, everything is shut down here. The playgrounds, even, you know, other than the backyard and getting some shots up, there's nothing to do. So it'll be a challenge, but I think uh, I was wondering also if the Olympics ever had waited, you had you would have the NBA overlapping with the Olympics, which would have really been a challenge, uh, certainly for Pop and the, you know, the United States uh, national team, but that's now out of the mix. So I think Adam can afford to be patient. I do think ABC, ESPN, and Turner will want it uh, if they can bring it about, but he's going to have to be, as he always is, he's going to have to be creative figuring out what kind of finish to the regular season and what kind of playoffs if, uh, if we're lucky enough to get out from under this. PJ, obviously there's been a lapse right now with professional sports, right? There's no NHL. Obviously, Major League Baseball has put on hold the NBA just as well. But to me, I think, and we have to see how this thing, whole thing plays out, first of all. But if the NBA season was to come back, and even if it's just you know the playoffs and that's it, I mean, would any sport benefit with what's been happening more than the NBA just from the standpoint of, I compare it to like a TV show, right? Like we saw, we saw, you know, Giannis out of the camp, you know, leading the Milwaukee Bucks to the best record in the NBA. Then we saw the Lakers all of a sudden come out of nowhere, and uh, James, you know, is going for the MVP now. And, you know, with the Kobe Bryant thing, can the Lakers do it for Kobe? So, like, we have all these storylines, and it's almost like, you know, our TV show got cut short, and we're waiting for the season finale. So is there going to be excitement? Is, is there going to almost be like a, a point of when the NBA does come back, ratings could be through the roof just because, number one, it's sports, but number two, of all the storylines? I, I, I think so, Austin. I think, there, you know, if... 
I don't want to say it's a silver lining, but I think if they if they're able to come back, I think it'll be extremely well received. The, the season was going very well anyhow. You had all the subplots. You talked about a, a couple of them right there. I, I haven't seen. I, I'm sure is the NHL probably going to try and do the same thing. Also, I, I you know I don't know, but I, I just don't think. I, I think the NBA, um, if if we can get through this pandemic, I think they will benefit more than anybody else unfortunately the you know the all the college uh, the college students that's that's out the window right now and uh mlb will certainly uh i guess you could say benefit also there's going to be you know i mean i just think the viewership people are going to be so happy to watch something live um if, if we if we do get through this so i, I would think mlb maybe nhl but certainly the nba uh when this is when this is done and they they got to get done before your old sport gets uh, geared up because right now that's pretty much uh that it's carrying uh, espn right now between all the reruns and uh everything and anything that happens nfl is a story right now you absolutely said and speaking of old sports so uh truth be told i actually grew up playing basketball as well and um i played a lot of aau basketball and um my senior year there were two guys who were ahead of everybody and one guy we actually went against his name was greg Oden. The, the other guy that that I you know that we didn't get to play against, but I, I've seen him in person, was a guy by the name of Kevin Durant, a guy that you actually drafted. My question to you is, how hard was it to, I guess, maximize Kevin Durant's potential, right? Because I remember, I mean, he's still he's still a skinny guy, right? But I remember looking at him and saying. If I was a coach, I would I would take him to the nearest burger joint. And I would add 50, 60 pounds and say, have fun playing in the post. But that, that wasn't Kevin Durant's game. And if you look at the NBA right now, obviously, you know, you have these big guys that can shoot threes. But Kevin Durant at that time, I think back in 2007, was he, he got drafted? Yep. I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. 07, 08, yeah. we had him in Seattle his rookie year. Exactly. So back in 2007, he was kind of the anomaly where he was this bigger-than-life kind of guy, but also a really good shooter. Like, how hard was it to try to maximize his potential, I guess I want to say? It was it was easy, Austin. Even I could do it. Uh, he was such a good <laughs> he was such a good player. I remember calling, Rick Barnes was a good buddy of mine. Uh, Brent, talking about Providence, uh, when, when I was at Seton Hall, Rick was at, uh, at PC. And I, I remember calling him up when we knew we were getting Greg or uh, Kevin. We weren't sure. You know, Portland had the number one pick, and we were going to get whichever one they didn't take. Uh, and when we found out that, that it was uh, KD, I, I remember calling up Rick, and he just, like, laughed. And You know, I had seen him a couple times on TV. I mean, he was the player of the year in college basketball, but he was – you know, frighteningly thin. He still is actually. He's put. He's much stronger than he was then, Austin. But he, yeah. he's he just has a frame that's not going to put weight on. He's worked very hard. Obviously, he's watched what he's eating and everything. So he, he is bigger, but he's much much stronger. But Rick just Rick just laughed at me. He said, "You're not going to believe it." He said he's almost seven foot tall. They keep listing him at six nine or six ten, but his arms are so long. He he plays bigger than a seven footer, and he had skills. I mean, he could dribble the ball. He could pass it. He could shoot it deep. Uh, there was nothing on a basketball court that he couldn't do. The only missing element then was strength. You could maybe overpower him inside, but even that he's got now. He's much stronger now than yeah. he was then. So, I mean, it took about 30 seconds of the first workout. You kind of shook your head and said, wow. Um, that's how... I, I remember, I wish we had some of the, you know, the media scrums after <laughs> practice and people were asking how good he was. And I said, well... You know, I said, I don't want to put that on a young guy. Plus, we weren't a good team either. But I said, he's going to be, you know, a 10-time All-Star. He might be good enough to be an MVP in the league. And be, to be honest with you, I undersold him. 
you know, I remember people laughing, saying, like, what are you talking about? How, you know, I said, come on, you, you didn't have to be smart to watch him play for five minutes and realize the potential that was there. And then on top of that, he's a gym rat. He had a great attitude. He, just, he still wants to, he wants to improve. You know, the, the great ones in our league in the summer, they go back and work harder than the other guys. The guys who should be working harder than them because they're not as skilled you know, kind of go through it. Some of them, you know, work really hard. But you mentioned Kobe before. Kobe kind of set the bar for NBA players on how hard you work during the season and in the off season. And the other guys that did that were like guys like Michael Jordan or LeBron now, mm-hmm. KD now. That he outworks the players in the league, and he's got more talent than it, than they do to start with. So uh, his potential was limitless. And he's, he's taken that, and everybody's saying, well, can he come back now from the Achilles? Watch. He'll come back. Uh, I mean, if it's physically possible, he'll come back and be as good or a better player when he comes back from the injury. Well, PJ, and it's funny because you talk about his work ethic, and I remember him like seeing a video of him a couple years ago bench pressing 315 pounds. There's always been this rumor around the Internet um, that's been circulating for like the past couple decades now, it seems like, where when te- and what a better person to ask than the coach that drafted him. When Kevin Durant was at the combine for the NBA. Supposedly, he could not bench press one one eighty five. Can you confirm or deny those rumors? Uh, the first one I can confirm. I know uh, what happened at the at the combine. I mean, that was you know that was recorded and that was there. I didn't know the other one, but I would not be surprised because again, he was in the weight room from day one with us, and it wasn't like you know I don't want to lift or he understood how important that was, and he had a long way to go. But oh yeah. seven oh eight's a long time ago, and if you look at Kevin now. Even though you'd still kind of describe him as, you know, I would say thin, but I mean, he's, you know, lanky. I mean, you look at him, but you see the definition. He's night and day. And again, he understood that was a missing element to his game, and he's taken it there. What he can actually bench now, I have no idea, but it wouldn't surprise me. that he is, you know, that he is that strong now. He certainly is on the basketball court. Amazing. PJ Carlissimo with us here in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, you have time for one more? I know we've kept sure. you. Are you okay? Uh, I, I wanted to ask you just about the scope of the NBA talent to me is unbelievable at the moment. I don't know if, uh, I guess everybody always wants to say, hey, can you compare it to this era, that era? But the bottom line is it's it's just amazing. I mean, LeBron James, 17 years in, playing the way he is. Giannis, who he is. Now Zion Williamson comes along. And I think the best way to describe how deep the talent pool is in the NBA is you can have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry not really a part of this season so far. And, and I don't want to say it, you don't feel it at all. I, it would be better if those guys were playing. But there's enough talent to go around that you hardly notice unless you really got to ask that no. question i mean it's, how good is it is it as deep as it's ever been it, it's deeper it's significantly deeper and i think the mistake that sometimes the the average fan or you know even people who follow avidly don't understand i mean we we see what happens in swimming or track and field you've got young kids now i mean literally teens running or swimming the same times that olympic champions swim you know, or ran 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it's silly to think it's not happening in basketball. These guys are just bigger and stronger and quicker than athletes from other eras. Now, the great ones, they're, they're, there's no Will Chamberlain's around. If Will was still here, Jerry West, John Havlicek, Oscar, those guys are still going to excel. But the average player in the league in those days would have no chance today. Uh, the, these, they are just unbelievably 
bigger, stronger, quicker athletes than we've ever had in basketball. And other than too many young ones, there's too many young ones in the league right now that aren't ready for the NBA, but they just keep coming out after a year of college or something. I think that's the one element we're missing. I, I, I do think that you know, staying two, three, four years in the past, which was the was the common way to come out of college, um, more of those guys were ready to play when they were young. But when you look at the teams that are winning, uh, it's the veteran teams, and, and those guys, you know, LeBron is is just a you know, in a good way, he's a freak of nature. I mean, he's on he happens to be a great basketball player, an unbelievable competitor, but he's just so big, so strong. I mean, unless you sit down courtside or unless you try and defend him, you have no idea what you're dealing with. And I just, there haven't been many like him. Uh, and, there, and there are a lot of players in the NBA now that you can say that about. Yeah, that's pretty wild. P.J. Carlos. Isn't it the same in football or no? NFL, are NFL athletes better now than they were maybe even 10, 15 years ago? Oh, without a doubt. You know, I mean, I think that goes without saying, um, especially because you see it more, and I think the same can say about the NBA too as well, is you look at the big men, right? Like the big men are shooting threes now, and then yeah. NFL, I mean, you got offensive linemen running four eights. That's faster than I ran back at the combine, you know? It's just, it's, it's hard exactly. to believe. So, um, yeah, I, I do think athleticism, it's definitely uh, come a long ways, but I've always been adamant about this, PJ. I, I think that NBA athletes are still by far the, the, the best athletes in the world. I mean, when you talk about lateral agility, when you talk about the ability to jump, um, and just your, your endurance and your cardio, I think the NBA players have everybody else beat. Just my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I think because they, you know the, the way the game is played and the, and the way they have to do more things, and it's not, it's not wrong. It's just that uh, you know football is a little bit more of a specialty sport. Most guys play one side of the ball or the other and uh, play a particular position. These guys, especially now with the league the way it is now. There's almost no standing down back to the basket post guy. So everybody's running up and down, having to defend away from the basket. And if anything, they're, they're being asked to be more athletic than they were in the past. P.J. Carlissimo, fun talking college basketball in the NBA. And uh, let's do it again when the NBA gets back up and running, okay? Love to, Brad. Austin, great talking with you. All right. All right. Thank Hope your you, family's man. well out in Seattle. Uh, be well, and uh, we'll catch up with you again down the road. P.J. Carlissimo, uh, talking some NBA, talking some college hoops and Remembering those Providence College days against Seton Hall. Really some good thoughts uh, with P.J. Carlismo, Carlismo, who's headquartered out in uh, Seattle, Washington. What do you think it's like uh, his kids in the backyard? It's like, you think he's yelling out the window? Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, no, need a better drop step. Oh, absolutely, Get some man. elevation on absolutely, that jump shot. Man. I, mean, I think, you know, they always say, once a coach, always a coach. So I'm sure he's coaching him up a little bit as well. And I'm glad I finally got to confirm the Kevin Durant thing where he couldn't bench 185 um, at the NBA Combine. Yeah. And now look at him, dude. I think he said something there, though, and I it's you wish you could. I think some people are just made up like this again. Like you, you got to be a part of that one percent athlete played professional sports. And I think a lot of that is listen, some of it's God given talent. Some of it's I'm not six, six, two forty five. So you can wipe me off being a defensive end. Some of it's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think a, most of it is driven and mm -hmm. and inner inner drive you know and and um some of it's a little bit luck and and happen you know what situation you're in all that stuff but i think what he just said about kevin durant and lebron james is i've said this a few times i don't think it's what it this is something that's not appreciated about some of our greats some of the best players in any sport 
is they continuously work harder than everybody else. Yes, they are already great, but they work harder than everybody else. Tom Brady's still playing football because he works just as hard, if not harder, than anybody else. And I don't know what harder than everybody else means, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. What he said about Kevin Durant, I believe that about LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, you give me the best guy, Mike Trout, I bet you he's grinding right now. He's gaining right now. And I think it's an interesting time. I think if you're a high school kid or if you're a young athlete, college athlete, Maybe if you're a professional athlete, mm-hmm. you are you have a chance that if you can do things on your own, if you are driven to not sit on the couch uh, and I feel like I'm talking to my kids right now. But if you are driven to not sit on your phone and get lazy with this whole situation. Yeah. Well, then you can come out on the other side of this and gain ground on your competition, which, by the way, might be your teammates mm-hmm. for a starting spot or might be other people going for a scholarship. And, and I don't know, even know if that equates just to sports. It might be that way in the business world, mm-hmm. where you could kind of take this as a two-month break, or you can reinvent yourself yeah. and come out on the other side. I think it was uh, – who was it that uh, tweeted this out? It was fascinating. Uh, I was just telling my wife this morning. I saw a tweet, and uh, now I can't remember who tweeted it out. But they said during the Great Depression, the Golden Gate um, Bridge mm-hmm. was built. Mm-hmm. And it's a great illustration of yeah. – you can do things even in these things. You don't have to just sit and wait till everybody says go yeah. back to work. That's my point. Well, so it's a fascinating time for that. And it's another example of a guy like Kevin Durant and all these great athletes that continuously outwork people even though they're already at the top of the game. Listen, man, I'm I'm pretty low-key when it comes to trying to hype myself up or brag about myself. But, but I'm, I'm going to say this. Like, where I got in the NFL – it was a direct correlation to hard work. Okay, like yeah, I, I was gifted of being six six, and you know, and I was a bigger guy in college. But it stemmed directly from the hard work. And you know, since we started doing this show, then it's given me a chance to kind of reflect back on my career a little bit. And I've never had regrets, to tell you the truth. Like yeah, obviously, I want to go to Kansas City, play a three four defensive tackle. You know, but it's all good though, man. Uh, yeah, I only had three sacks. W- w- would have loved to sack Mike Vick. You know, would have loved to sack some other guys. But you know what? It's all great because at the end of the day, I'm going to hang my hat on that any coach you talk to, I guarantee it, or any player that you talk to that was my teammate, they're always going to say that I worked as hard as I could. You know, and if you even go to my combine profile, the last thing, and I, and I listen, I don't know what it all says, but all I know is the last thing under my positives is that they say he's a relentless kid who won't, won't stop working. All right, and that's something that was instilled with me with my parents, my grandparents, and that's something that I'm always going to hang my hat on. And it's something that, you know, my last couple years in Chicago, I mean, literally the last coach to say something to me was John Fox. And we know how that went. You're too old. Okay. Didn't really take much away from that coach. Appreciate it. Good luck uh, with everything. Have fun with that team. See how, how it works out for you. When do we get John on the program? Oh, I know. But, but <laughs> the... But the coach before that was Mark Tressman, okay? And Mark Tressman had a horrible year, and I, I was there for the tail end of that. I literally got in the final week of the season. I get cut in training camp. They bring me back the final game of the season, and it was weird going from a team that had so much hype, that that, that had so much um, you know, probability of winning a division, maybe going to the playoffs and making a run, because you had Martellus Bennett. You, you, had, um, you had Jay Cutler playing pretty well. You know, you had Alshon Jeffrey. You had Brandon Marshall, like, and then a pretty solid solid defense. It, it was there for the taking, man. For whatever reason, they couldn't put it together. The locker room crumbled. It is what it is. But when I come back there and I get caught again, you know, and then they let me go after the season, Mark Tressman sits me down and he looks me. And number one, a guy who was never really even there. You know what I'm saying? Like a guy who was on the outside looking in. Mark Tressman calls me into his office, sits me down, looks me eye to eye, and he says, 
do not worry about this. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen with your football career. I hope it works out for you. But if it doesn't, he's like, look at me awesome. Like, all right, because obviously I'm bummed, man. Yeah, it yeah. sucks being cut. I don't care if it's your first time or it's your sixth time. Being cut, just it's getting fired. It's it's not a fun experience. But I'll never forget, Tressman looked at me. He's like, the way you work and the way you approach life, dude, you're, you're going to be fine. Regardless of what you do and if football doesn't work out, whatever you have in your back pocket, you'll be successful. And that's something that I always took with me. That's something, once again, I've always hung my hat on. So there, there you go. go. I'll there's work your, them, baby. There's your TED Talk for work ethic today. By the way, TED Talk coming up every day at 425 here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I just heard work ethic. I probably should have been listening. Oh, that's all good, Coos. You miss much. You didn't miss much, man. Hey, hey, just like TikTok's not for me and Brent, work ethic, it's not for you. Okay? It's not for you. Not a big deal. Not for you. Uh, Very good lesson to be learned. (laughs) Be like Coos. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Oh, we had some baseball. We had some NBA. We kind of went off our. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's call it a trio here and get some professional wrestling when we get back here in ESPN 690. Let's I go for the numbers are spiking already. <laughs> I can't do it. What's I mean, this numbers rising as we speak? We talk uh, WWE and AEW and the video games yeah. coming up next. Uh, how about we talk a little more football? I do have let's a serious question yeah. about football. Okay, and it's about quarterback coach strangleholds. Are they done? Are we resetting the NFL when it comes to that? Talk about it next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. You know, the transition was, I would say, very emotional with a lot of guys that I've talked to that I've shared the field with because, you know, the relationships are what matter most to me. You know, I'm going to be friends with my teammates, my former teammates and coaches for the rest of my life. And that's not going to lead just because I'm wearing a different jersey. But at the same time, for me, the new jersey I'm wearing, you know, I'm prepared to give them the every bit of commitment that I've had my entire career to be the best I could be to help this team be the best it could be. Was that really just Tom Brady mixed with Tiger King? Joe theme Exotic. Music. Joe Exotic, Brent. Come on, get it right, man. Song called Here, Kitty Kitty. Yeah, are you going to watch Tiger King? So apparently this is a thing, right? It's it's sweeping the nation by storm. Everybody's on board, Brent. I'm for sure watching it tonight. Of, Unless of it's a series. Like, if it's a movie, I'll watch it. Hey, it's a documentary, man. It's like a six-part documentary. Uh, right? Time invested. I was kind of hoping to knock it out tonight. You mean you could. Depends how, six hours. It depends how I'll let you stay up. I'm not watching it. Get out. I've had literally I've had six people in the past like week tell me to watch it. And I'm not gonna do it. Because you know why? I can take one look at the guy and say, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's gonna be a crazy story. Any guy that owns more than two tigers is an absolute probably psychopath. Okay? So there's nothing that can happen in that documentary that's gonna shock me. Just take one look at the guy. Have you seen the guy? Yeah, you know, I've seen it. Yeah. He's it's like a cross but like he dresses like a cross between Liberace and Scarface, like it's it's crazy what he wears. Why do people? Why are people? Like, would this be a big thing if we didn't have a pandemic going on? I'm sure. It I would just still be. Listen, documentaries people, on Netflix. I mean, oh, they're it, they're crushing it. Yeah. Man. they're crushing it. So, I, seriously, I, think, I have no idea. I've, I keep hearing it, and I yeah. haven't looked it up. Like, what? I, I just kind of jokingly said, does it have Tiger Woods in it? Ah, okay, then I might go. be interested. All right, um, grabbing that low hanging fruit. It's all but, good though. What I mean, what? Why is it a craze right now? And what is it? It's a documentary about 
a guy that owns a bunch of tigers. Well, it's kind of like the, the life of the ta- like the owners of Tiger Sanctuaries, I believe. And like the, the foul play, the drugs, um, the money. And everything. Yeah, there's death. Yeah, there's some death Murder. in it. Murder. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't foul, seen it, so I'm just saying play. things. I just watched the, the trailer of it. But listen, I think people gravitate towards this like people used to gravitate towards Jersey Shore. Right, like we we love the obscure, we love the obscene because those people are so much the opposite of what we are. So it's it's like entertainment. So yeah. I, I, that's what I think people well, and are it, into and this. And you're kind of like if it's in documentary form, you can convince. You're like, wow, that really does exist. Yeah, but at the same time too, though, let's be honest. I, I've watched some documentaries on Netflix, and it's like obviously Netflix has a job to try to make it as entertaining as possible and try to you know like persuade maybe the viewer a little bit. So like one could argue like. Did all this really go down? But from what I've heard, it's like the craziest story of all time. Still not going to watch it. I got friends telling I me like watch it's it insane. Then. I'm still not going to watch it's it. It's only six episodes? Yeah. See, How long are the episodes? By the way, I'm ahead of the curve yeah. for the first time yeah. in a long time yeah. when it comes to this stuff. I'm usually four seasons back. Like <laughs> I just started Homeland last night. That yeah. was from 2011. Yep. So that's 10 years ago almost. I still can't believe you're not on the Game of Thrones bandwagon, but that's that's another story. I might get on it. Um but I, I did watch the first uh, episode of Homeland. Is so it good? We'll I, I, I will like it, no doubt. I <laughs> yeah. like that style. Well, the, it's kind of like the Jack Bauer stuff, right? Absolutely, it's like terrorism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's, yeah, that's more your thing. I like it. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into it. Uh, the it's amazing that that like a documentary like that though catches fire so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it has really become the rage. Like I keep hearing it and seeing it, and everybody's referencing it and. It's just it's the power it's the of social. Fad, right? Well, it's the power of social media, right? Like where if you have one person watch this obscure thing and like they're gonna go on Twitter and be like, hey, this is so crazy, you gotta watch, and all of a sudden it spreads. It spreads like wildfire, and those are the things that spread the most. I think they're true stories that are more of the obscene or obscure because in the back of your mind, like that actually happened. It's like the exotic animal mafia. There we go. Yeah, probably, man. Well, once again, I don't really know what goes on. And I just I looked at the guy. I heard your song right now, and I'm sure it's crazy. Not going right. to watch it, though. I promise some football talk, so let's do it. I've thought of this uh, today, and uh, I love when topics just kind of pop in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't even deep diving or digging on this one. Well, so this, you haven't asked me yet for any, any ideas. No, so I haven't. You, yeah, you've been crushing it. So let me, uh, let me, let me ask you the what what I kind of asked myself Tom Brady to me and Bill Belichick have had a stranglehold on the NFL they did on the AFC East if you look at the way they did things and why they were so successful sure they won enough games but they beat their divisional opponents usually they were 6 and 0 or 5 and 1 against them at a bad year 4 and 2 i can't imagine they ever went less than 4 and 2 against their their own division they won home games became a very good home field advantage they would make the playoffs. It's usually a one or two seed, and therefore they had to win one game to get into a championship game to play for the Super Bowl. So two, and a lot of times they came at home. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but had to do it at home. So it was a great formula. But if you think about the all the quarterback movement, you know, I'm not saying Phillip Rivers had a stranglehold, but he was part of the Chargers for a long time. Peyton Manning obviously has retired in the last little bit. Did this move signify a recycling of that powerful coach-quarterback combo? Belichick doesn't have a quarterback right now. Yeah. Well, quite frankly, we don't know if Arians and, and Brady are going to work out, and I'm not sure the league is scared of it. He's 43 years old. 
if it does happen, it's going to happen for short short term, not long term. Of course, some people said that at age 38 with Tom Brady. <laughs> and here we are. Yep. Uh, Andrew Luck, out of the league. But he had different coaches, though. And he did have different coaches. Uh, and some of these guys did. It wasn't like 20-year runs. But you get my point of it. You know, whether it was Holmgren and Favre at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, I think Roethlisberger and Tomlin fit because you knew they were going to be in the dance. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Some people don't know if they're going to be in the dance. Now, there's plenty of examples of it. Patrick Russell Holmes, Wilson Andy Reed. and Carroll. Mahomes, Mahomes and Reed Andy are the newest. Jared Goff. Anybody would, yeah, that, I would actually. Jared Goff put, needs Sean McVay though. Dude. I mean, he does, but yeah. you're not afraid of it. It's okay, not going to be a you. stranglehold of the NFL. Oh, okay. You I know, you. I, could you put Wentz and Peterson in the category? I don't know. Wentz hasn't stayed healthy enough for me to sign off on that just yet. I mean, I, I would have put Aaron Rodgers and Mark McCarthy back in the day, but and, now it's Lafleur. And to be honest with you, even maybe it is Lafleur because Aaron Rodgers tilts that scale so much. Mm-hmm. But the point of the the point I'm trying to make is, isn't it kind of wide open? In that sense. And how I got on this is I'm thinking, all right, what the teams like the Jags, why can't teams like the Jags, usually the Bills, uh, the Browns, all these teams, why can't they figure it out? Like, why can't they get out of the depths of it? And you always come out with one answer. It's all about quarterback play. Sure, you can pop back in for, you could say, hey, here we are for a little bit. Arizona Cardinals said that, hey, yeah, here we are. Go to a Super Bowl. You know, we're good. We're relevant. We're a little, uh, we're competitive. Jags in 17. Maybe the Browns, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe it'll be this year. Mm-hmm. The Bills maybe are in the middle of it right now, but they hadn't won for 25 years. The, so the, how do you, the Ravens with Trent Dilfer? Yeah, very good. So and now they're back in. But I mean, the Ravens, yeah, they haven't had a stranglehold on the league. They've been good, mm-hmm. solid, but you're not scared of them. So I guess are we in that stage with so many teams now looking at new quarterbacks, young quarterbacks? Are we trying to find that next group of players? at the quarterback position and coaches that will then have a stranglehold on the NFL. And that being said, is that where the Jags opportunity these next couple of years lies? Mm -hmm. Because if you look in your own division, I think Deshaun Watson is going to be a good quarterback for a long time. I'm not sure Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien are going to be riding hand in hand for a long time. Uh, Who knows what's going on in Indy. Phil Rivers is a one-year deal right now. Titans, are you afraid of Rabel and Tannehill? Not really. So if you think about your own division, it's kind of wide open and maybe has been for a bit. But Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, that goes back 20-something years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Deshaun Watson's kind of replaced that the last couple of years. But it's wide open to kind of say, hey, if Minshew's the guy or if the Jags have to go to the draft and find somebody else in the next couple of years, well, could they be the guy with whoever the coach is? I think it's open for business. I, I think that's where you find a way in. Now, another one of these would be Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Mm-hmm, but even course. that, who still have that stranglehold, they're kind of on the way out. Yeah. So you see my point? It's like, who is going to step into that? Sure, Mahomes and Reed, absolutely, they're in it. Carroll and Russell Wilson, I'd say they're in it. Absolutely. Outside of that, you've got to go to other players like Roethlisberger and Tomlin, who could be on his way out. You have to go to Brees and, and Payton. Breeze is certainly on his way out in the next couple of years. So I'm looking at a three-year window here, and who's stepping into that where nobody could break it. Nobody could break that that Brady-Manning 
I, I would make an Archibald. argument for Josh Allen and McDermott. I think McDermott, I mean, he's not a really an offensive-minded guy per se, but I think, you know, with his attitude and, and what Josh Allen does, I think they're they're going to be together for a long time, especially with Tom Brady out of the AFC East now. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I think you could. I think we could look up at three years from now and say, hey, they've made the playoffs five out of six years, and Josh Allen is yeah. – I would put him in the conversation as, as a as – a, again, you've got to remember the quarterback leads this. And uh, in well, my and opinion, here's, the quarterback leads it because there's so much turnover. I mean, even Manning. Manning had, what, Dungy and had a couple of coaches in that. It wasn't like for 15 years he had Dungy. Of course. You know, and then yeah. he actually went to another team. So yeah. uh, I think it's driven by the quarterback. That's really the, the what prompted this discussion. But it's it goes back to the breakup of Brady and Belichick that to me has really opened the NFL up. And we asked uh, last week when this was happening, how will it change the landscape? I don't know if we got here. We know what changed the landscape of Tampa. They become relevant. They might become better. They might become a playoff team. Maybe they're a contender. It changed the landscape of the Patriots. They don't have Tom Brady anymore. They don't know who their real quarterback is, and they have some other issues. Absolutely changed the the scope of those two teams. But I actually think it did more than that. It changed the AFC East. It changed the AFC, and it probably changed the NFL. I think what we're getting at here um, as a talking point is the turnover of the quarterback position in the NFL, especially this free agency, obviously, from last season, where it seems like the trend now, you know, back to your Brett Favre days or anything like that. I mean, they they had a long run. Now, yeah, granted, Brett Favre, you know, went to New York and then he went to Minnesota, but you know, they were staples on their teams for a while. And I think, um, I think the time that a quarterback has to make a, an impression before he gets let go, it's probably shorter than ever right now. Because if we go back to the the, the years of Steve Young and Dan Marino and Brett Favre and all these guys. You asked, in my opinion, a lot less of them than what you ask of quarterbacks now, right? There's a reason why quarterbacks' numbers um, are higher than they've ever been before. There's a reason why Patrick Mahomes was set every single record, it seemed like, last year. Back in the days with Brett Favre, yes, Brett Favre was a fantastic quarterback. Led the Green, Green, Green Bay Packers to a couple Super Bowls, won one of them. But he also had the ball to hand off to. He also had Amon Green. He also had Dorsey Levins. They had running backs. Nowadays, man, like you look at a team like Kansas City. I don't know. Uh, they had LaShawn McCoy. I don't think he even played the past couple games. Nah. D'Angelo Williams. Well, I, I didn't know their, their guys' names really, man. Whatever their names are. And I apologize. I should know that. Williams. But, like, yeah, it's Williams. But, like, to be fair, it doesn't matter who you put that running back in the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? The, 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 they're going to be successful. And I think that's where the NFL is gravitating towards now, where teams are looking at guys like Patrick Mahomes. And, like, yeah, Lamar Jackson, too, but obviously he's an anomaly, right? There's not They, they don't make Lamar Jacksons on trees, okay? Like, they're, they're hard to come by. But you look at guys like But ben they Ro- could be in the running. Lamar Jackson yeah. and Harbaugh but, now could be in the running. But, but, but even Ben Roethlisberger, back when the Steelers' offense was really humming, like, yes, they had a running game, but let's be honest. It, it went through Antonio Brown, went through Smith-Schuster, it went through Miller at tight end, and it went through Big Ben, okay? Like, they're the pass-first team, and that's that's where the NFL is right now. It's it's pass-first, run-second, and I think when you have that um, as your philosophy for a majority of the teams in the league, well, then, yeah, your quarterback's got to be able to do a lot of things that you ask of them, and let's be honest, there's not a lot of guys out there right now that can do that. So. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting to me, in the in again, because it relates to Jacksonville, is Jacksonville's been in the doormat phase of the NFL. I mean, they've been on the bottom in the last... 12 years. So let's just take a 10 to 15 year sample. And if you go all the way back and way back, uh, I'll even go back to the 80s and 90s. Overall, I'm not saying a one year spike here or there. Again, the Jags spiked in 2017, but it didn't amount to anything long term is my point. So you could have a one off season. But overall, I always bring this up. The Saints and the Patriots and actually the Colts 
were miserable. Look, I remember the Colts being 1-15, it felt like, every year. The Patriots had, people had bags over their heads. The Saints were the Aints. Mm-hmm. Well, in the last two decades... Chiefs, it, too, man. Chiefs weren't that oh, good Chiefs, either. Yeah, very good. Chiefs, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can name a lot of teams that were in that mold. I just gave you three. There were probably six that were in the Browns, the, the Jags, the Raiders, the Rams kind of... Mm-hmm. You know, area that that now exists over the last 10 or 15 years in the modern day. Uh, So there's always those. But what changes them? And obviously for the Saints, Breeze and Peyton ended up getting together. Now, that didn't just happen overnight. Brady and Belichick. Well, that Manning, you know. But what happened in that whole thing, too, as we're looking at it, is they not only changed overnight and got good for three, four, five years. They got good for 10, 12, 15 years. Mm. I mean, they they had the stranglehold, and of course it adopted with times because the passing game got more prevalent. Quarterback became more important than it ever had been. It's now the most important position in sports, so the game changed with them, and those guys were in prime position to take advantage of it. I don't think we're going to see an error over the next 10 years where the game actually changes. But I do think when you're a bottom feeder team, Trying to catch up and keep up with those kind of teams becomes near impossible. Because what have people tried to do for the last decade and a half? They tried to find the next Brady. They tried to find the next Manning. They tried to find the next Breeze. And now what we'll try to do is find the next Mahomes Mm -hmm. and Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. Well, you can spend a decade and a half trying to find those guys is the answer to that. Yeah. And if you're a bad team, you keep trying to find it, trying what I call chasing. And when you're in chase mode, it's a dangerous mode to be in. Uh, and no doubt the way to flip it is first to get the quarterback and then probably to get the right marriage between quarterback and coach. And I think you're looking at a couple of teams that now are in position to change that narrative. You mentioned the Bills. I think I would put them in a conversation. I think you could say the Browns are in the conversation. They feel like they have it. Now, it might fizzle out, but they're in the conversation. I think uh, you could even say the Raiders with Gruden uh, to a 10-year deal, and if Carr or or if he finds a young guy instead. Uh, But I I talked Wentz and Peterson. You said Goff and and McVay. Sure, they're not all going to become that, but if two or three become that, well, they could be like that for the next 15, 20 years. Russell Wilson and Carroll are the greatest example right now because they have now been together for six, seven, eight years, and they've been pretty successful. This is why I love the game of football, though, because we're sitting here and we're talking about you got to have that quarterback, man. You know, you, you have to have that Tom Brady. You have to have that Patrick Mahomes. You have to have that Lamar Jackson. And I definitely agree with you. That helps. I mean, that's that's the biggest cog that, that makes the machine go. I'm not going to deny that at all. But I can make the argument and say, well, you know what? Aaron Rodgers at a time was probably the best quarterback in the NFL. And I, and I would even put Aaron Rodgers over Brady because at the end of the day, you put Aaron Rodgers in any single team, he makes that team better. You put Brady in any single team, I'm not sure I can say the same thing. So you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, at the time, best quarterback, only went to one Super Bowl, Brent. Only, only won one Super Bowl, and that was it. So it's not just the quarterback position. And this is this is why I love the NFL so much because, yes, having the quarterback, it, it, it saves you a lot of aches and pains, man. It makes things a lot easier. But the ultimate equalizer, in my opinion, is the defense and the ability to run the football. Now, not saying that's going to be successful for the next 10 years. I'm not saying you can have a great defense and a good run game and all of a sudden, guess what? Next 10 years, the division's yours. No, that's not how the game works at all. You have to rebuild. Teams always, uh, you know, teams always refurbish everything like that. And you lose some guys. Jacksonville Jaguars, prime example. Tennessee Titans this past season. We'll see what happens with them. But I'm just saying sometimes the ultimate equalizer 
can be a good defense. It can for a one-year pop or two-year pop yeah. like you're talking about. I think uh, your Aaron Rodgers example is a great one, but they've been relevant that whole time because of they've knocked on the door. They haven't gone. I mean, he's the Dan Marino of this era, mm-hmm. and only that he won instead. Uh, Marino didn't win. Marino went early on and and, and didn't win it. But I, I guess what, what would be an interesting part of this is can you find a team in the last 10, 12, 15 years that kind of thought they had their quarterback and were not able to win? And you know what? A good example of this could be is Cam Newton and the Panthers. Well, you know, the Panthers, Andrew Luck and the Colts as well, I think. And then, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. They fit in that mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they thought they had this supreme guy. I mean, well, they did. I mean, yeah. he's a brilliant quarterback. Yeah. Uh, they ran into some bad luck late with the injuries and now yeah. the early retirement. But Cam Newton's another one. Now, yeah. he went to one. He did. But they were also pretty mediocre a lot of those years with Cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and the same thing with Andrew Luck, too. Like, listen, playing in the division with Peyton Manning, like, yeah. That, that obviously, playing for the Jaguars, it sucked because we knew how good Peyton Manning was. And then all of a sudden, like, all the wheels started to turn in motion. And, like, being a player for the Jaguars, you're like, oh, they're about to get Andrew Luck now. Like, Peyton Manning's leaving, and now they got Andrew Luck. Are you kidding me? Like, they, they obviously lucked into that, no pun intended. But it never came of anything. You know, like, yeah, they had some playoff runs and everything like that. But Andrew Luck never went to the big one. You know what else is interesting here is actually Dalton and Marvin Lewis could be in the category. They went to the playoffs, like, however many times in a row, they just couldn't win a game. Yep. So, you know, it's not an exact science. Of course not. But it's just another example of the quarterback carries so much weight who that is. Well, and you saw it with Kingsbury and now Kyler Murray in Arizona. You saw what Kingsbury sacrificed to get Kyler Murray. Absolutely. We'll see. And we'll see if it pans out for him. It's yeah. a big risk-reward proposition. We come back, 10 questions in five minutes. We'll get to that and more football talk on the way. Tua's issue is this. Durability, period. That's it. That's the only issue. His arm strength isn't like A++, but it's good enough. He is a special player with a much deeper resume than Joe Burrow, and a little bit younger. Burrow's heights, the highest heights he achieved, were greater than Tua's because of the season he just had capped by the final game he just had. So that's amazing for Joe Burrow, but it's a thinner resume than Tua's. I'm Max Kellerman. First take. Of course, first take your take right before us uh, with Jason Fitz, 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. here on ESPN 690. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos back on a Wednesday of Action Sports Jacks. We are here 3 until 6 p.m. Monday through Friday as well. Thanks for checking us out on uh on the airwaves, also on ESPN690.com, and there's many ways to check us out from your work at home if you're doing that, and especially on the video feeds, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. Look up ESPN690 or ESPN690Jacks, and you'll be able to find us on uh, 10 different platforms Oof. as well. No excuses. Oof. It's a lot of platforms. Everybody said, like, why don't you have an app? It's like, well, we got like 10 of them. Yeah, I mean, we just let them do the work for us. We're literally everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) sorry for the convenience. Uh, But uh, we do understand less people are probably driving to and from work, uh, listening in the car. And but you can uh, do it on ESPN six ninety dot com. You can stream us, and also all the uh, video platforms. You can always see what Austin is eating for lunch. I've actually moved that. No, I moved it now to the to the Kuz's spot because the the lady yelled at me. Yeah, because the janitor yelled at me that one time. So yeah. I think we all remember how that went down with the Chipotle. That was box. way before uh, the pandemic. Oh, it was way before that. Yeah, but it was kind of my own little pandemic. Her note for you is still on the door, though. Say what? Her note for you is still on the door. Yeah, and I see she 
add an E to my name because she spelled it yeah. I-N, which is obviously <laughs> this is amateur hour in here. So, yeah, she changed it to an E, but it's a backwards E, um, like Eminem. Be nice to people. I, I'm, all, I'm always pleasant. What are you talking about, be nice to people? <laughs> doesn't sound too pleasant right now. Why? Because she spelled my name wrong? Yeah. I mean, I mean spell know, it right. It's kind of a Spell it with an I. I absolutely. I'm, hey, I, I, my mom wanted me to be special, okay? And she, <laughs> and she named me after Jane Austen. Ever heard of her? Big author. I'm kidding. I'm not named after Jane Austen. <laughs> could, could you imagine? I have heard you know, of her. Yeah, yeah. Pride and Prejudice, right? Or no, uh, I was way off. Let's not go crazy now. Know. I've heard of her, okay? That's I don't it. know. I, that's probably way off with that one. Uh, Tim, by the way, says Foles, Eli, Flacco, Broken Payton oh, yeah. all won this decade. Jane Is Austin, it, Pride, Pride and Prejudice, nailed it. Yeah, better know that. Cap, Ryan, and Goff made the game. Elite QB play doesn't make the Super Bowl as much as people think. They are reason since 1996. Only one QB making over 10% or cap has won a Super Bowl in terms of dollars, I think. Uh, I it's a, That's a good point. Um, and by the way, Tim... Tim reaching out to you in your Twitter handle. <laughs> this is not the right Austin Lane. Uh-oh. This is Austin. Is it Austin with an I? Come this on. is great. Tim. No, this is great. This is Austin with an I. And Austin Lane won. And he is best of the best wrestler, actor, ghostbuster, fear factor champion, and radio personality. Fear I mean, factor champion? And a what? radio personality. I mean. Wait, what? Check <laughs> him what? out. What? Are we, what? Yeah. So, I mean, he actually wow. has a bunch of your credentials. Hang on. How do you... Hold on. This is going to confuse <laughs> some we, people. Everybody just relax, all right? How do you spell the, the, the Twitter handle? Austin Lane, A-U-S-T-I-N. A-I-N, okay. L-A-N-E. L-A-N-E. One. Let's check out this. One. <laughs> it's a one. What a loser. And you guys are trying to... What a loser. What a loser. One what? What are you the one in? All right, here we go. Twitter, Austin Lane one. I don't think it's very nice to call him a loser. He's a great guy. Oh no, this, this guy's a, yeah, this guy's a wrestler. He's a pro wrestler. Well, no, I just said that. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of went dark when you started talking about. <laughs> I mean, he's a Ghostbuster for crying how out many, loud. How, how many followers? Mm. Seventeen sixty. Where are you at? Mm. A little, little more than that. A little more than that. <laughs> and I always say I don't care about it, but in this situation, I kind of do. Um. All right, let's do a little more reconnaissance here. Eh. Should we have him on? Is he allowed to come on? I feel like, you know, it's crazy. Is It's the first time I think I've heard, I've seen that you've been confused with him. But it's actually not a bad play by Tim there. I mean, he goes with the wrestler. You love talking wrestling. No, it's a horrible play, Tim. Come on. Uh, it, well, he probably didn't even do that. He probably just Tim, tried to tag radio Austin. Personality. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. When you tried to put Austin, like, if you don't do A underscore, Austin doesn't come up. Like, if you actually spell out his name, it's not going to oh, pull Austin up. You have to do A underscore train underscore. Okay. Well, so see, maybe that's it's your why. fault, man. Well, you made it harder. Make the effort if you want to talk to <laughs> that's me. Because, how, how does that sound? That's because if you had gone Austin Lane, you would have been, like, three. Austin, Austin Lane, Lane, three. three. <laughs> No, A-U-S-T-E-N. It's only me and Jane Austen, baby. We're riding to the sunset together. So I'm sitting fine there. Not sure what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, here's the thing. When um, you have to put a one, you're actually number two. Because, I mean, somebody got your name and didn't have to put a number. So, uh, well, What did Tim want to say to me? Anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, what, I was, was, was there a question behind this? No, no, I already read it. I, I read what Tim said was the, well, uh, once the again, quarterbacks. Brent, he basically, I saw red. I forgot what you said. He basically was saying that you don't have to be supreme quarterback to win. He said uh, 10%. One QB making over 10% or cap has won a Super Bowl since 1996. Okay. Now, 
what what Tim's not bringing up is Tom Brady should have been paid fifty million dollars a year based on quarterback salaries for the yeah. last decade but, and a half, and he hasn't been. But would that change the whole Patriots team? Then would they have been able to have everybody? Oh, that's a fair point. Good point. Oh, Tim apologized to me. Said sorry, wrong Austin. <laughs> <Tim. laughs> first hey, of all, man, Tim, pro- thanks for the conversation. Tim, piece. First of all, man, all good because you have the juggernaut as your uh, screen picture, so I'm not mad at that. Number two, I'm gonna find Austin Lane one and shut him down because he's obviously an imposter <laughs> and people are getting confused. I've been wondering why my Twitter numbers have not been going up lately, so gonna go ahead and reach out to Twitter and say he was posting some hey, immature stuff. Two months into the pandemic. Yeah. We'll have Austin Lane one on the show. <laughs> no, you won't. Cause I'm shutting him down right now. How do you how do you report stuff? Report oh, here we go. Oh my! Report Austin Lane one for what reason? <laughs> Boom! All right. And honestly, hey, these yeah. days put him in for a licking hey, toilets hey, or something. It probably it. won't go hey, over well. You better believe Twitter's gonna see me verify and be like, well, we gotta take this seriously. This guy's verified. Tell us we gotta block this guy. Sorry, Austin Lane one. Try again next time. Yeah, problem is he's uh, gonna come back as like, Austin Lane two. It's like slander <laughs> right here for Austin yeah. Lane. I love you, Austin Lane one. Never met you, but I'm sure we love you. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's do this. Ten questions in five minutes. Uh, what you got for us today, Coos? So to start it off, that intro audio that we used from Max Kellerman is going to be my first question because Tua posted a video on Twitter. So that comment from Max Kellerman was him saying Tua should go number one now. Is, so this, is this you or me? It's going to be for Brent. Okay. The question is, does Tua move up because of that video on social media? It's just softballs. Just <laughs> softballs getting lobbed into Bruce. Set it on the tee for him next time. No, he is not moving up. Joe Burrow's going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, I think, are picking number three, and they will take him. I don't think uh, the Redskins are going with another young quarterback. I'll tell you what. Here's my deal on Tua, and it's fascinating because let's just put it in the context of this. Say he slipped to the Jags at number nine. Mm-hmm. What would you do? I'd have a, a an extremely hard time passing up potentially a franchise quarterback. And, and what we just talked about, like what we have said, you've got to find a quarterback. Well, you have an opportunity that falls in your lap that you could potentially find him. But here's my overall thought on two, and I haven't wavered yet, and this video doesn't do anything for it. I am not convinced he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. I really am not. He comes – the risk – of injury certainly is out there, and I really think that eliminates a team like Jacksonville. They're not in the position to be taking those kind of risks. In fact, Miami isn't either, and a lot of teams aren't in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's where they get in trouble. To, to our conversation from a segment ago, when you're chasing uphill, you make moves like this that could get you in more trouble with a little bit of bad luck. Now, could be the gamble you make and you, that bold move you make that is, wow, look what we just did, and it works out for the next 15 years. I just don't have the confidence from an injury history or even his play translating to the NFL. I don't know why. It's more of a gut, but uh, I don't think this will change it, Coos, to answer your question. I think he'll be the number three overall pick to the Miami Dolphins, and he sure as heck wouldn't get past the Chargers at number six, even if he did. But he's not supplanting Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the guy in Cincinnati. All right. Um, another one easy for Austin. Yeah, softball. Stephon Diggs tweeting out uh, – a question asking who are the top five wide receivers in the game? So who are your top five wide receivers in the game? Hey, (laughs) you ask, okay, whatever. Um, (laughs) Give me, all right, top five wide receivers. Jerry Rice, obviously. I got to go Calvin Johnson. Got to go Randy Moss. Um. Terrell Owens, 
And this is just kind of like from my, like, you know, from my room. I mean, I'm sure there's older guys. I don't oh, know. it's not many, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jerry Rice, really, the. Yeah, I mean, Jerry, the Jerry Rice one, is the. But, but he's the OG, you know? Oh, my last receiver. Um, I know there's a shot clock violation. I'm hurrying up. Um. Don Beebe. <laughs> <laughs> Big play for my childhood, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, did you yeah. play, uh, did you put Larry Fitzgerald on there? Oh, yeah, Larry Fitzgerald, thank you. Brent's interrupting, by the way. No, I didn't oh, know if you oh, did. Oh, did you put Julio, well, Julio Jones. No, I'm gonna put, let's put Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, you know what, I'm going to, I know, I'm going back on my word. Let's go ahead and take Don Beebe out of there. <laughs> and let's go ahead and insert Larry Fitzgerald. Sorry, Don. Uh, sorry, Ben. All right, uh, Brent. For you, the NFL considering changing its one helmet rule, prohibiting teams from alternating or altering the logos on the helmets, which a lot were saying could go to th- some throwback helmets. So, what's like one throwback helmet that you would want to see Ooh. them bring back? Ooh. Good question. Uh, and I didn't see that. That's interesting. I didn't see that I out there. It's uh, probably making it up. That would actually be a bad idea, though. To I'd al- like that. allow teams to do that like once. Yeah. I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Throwback helmets. I'm bad at this game. This was a bad thing <laughs> I love for it. me. I love it. I'm bad at this game. I could care less about logos and uniforms. Can we go get the old? Now that Brady's playing yeah. the creamsicle one. No, I. But I said this the other day. Actually, I do think the Patriots. And I'm not a Patriots fan, mm. but I do think that old Patriots logo is one that actually would still be cool today. Like mm-hmm. it would be received very well to go back and uh, pat the Patriot and and uh, put that on the side of a helmet for a throwback game. That would be kind of cool. See, the Jags couldn't have a throwback helmet really because they've gone back to their original. Oh, do I throw it in right now? Go it. Uh, okay, go ahead and give me the old Giants logo, I knew, obviously. I knew you were going to say that. But you remember the old the Broncos logo, man? I was a fan of the Broncos logo. Yeah, the Broncos. What is it now? It's, you know, it's just like the Yeah, just the, the, yeah, the old. Yeah, 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 yeah. They changed that. Um, those are kind of the big two But I was thinking me. of the Bucks. Like the Bucks oh, yeah, with the oh, yeah, for sure. They with, go the, back the whole with, thing. with the guy with the knife yeah, in his yeah. mouth. Yeah, that's cool, too. But, dude, you want to talk about that old school Bronco? Look at that right there, Brent. I, I like that, man. You know, yeah, that'd be that's, good. That's good. That'd be good. All right. Well, I said my two cents. I'm There's glad, your interrupter. I'm glad I was my interrupter on <laughs> there that. There was. <laughs> All right, uh, Austin. So Mike Freeman was tweeting that uh, it's becoming more and more thought around the NFL that they're going to have to move uh, the start of the season because of the coronavirus. So do you think they end up moving it? I think so, man. I mean, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty still, and we don't know what's going to happen even in a week now. But I think, you know, Sean Payton obviously, um, you know, falling ill to it. And I just think that, you know, this is the NFL's chance to kind of follow suit a little bit, depending on what happens. But let's be honest here, man. I mean, there's not a cure yet, as far as I know. I don't know. I know there's a lot of speculation, but there's not a cure. We don't really know how to combat this thing yet. And the last thing you want to do is get a bunch of guys around each other with risks of, you know, possibly giving it to somebody. So I think, yeah, absolutely. The, the OTAs um, will probably be, you know, eliminated for sure. Um, training camp might get pushed back. The preseason might be shorter. But I definitely see some changes coming down the NFL's way. All right, uh, Brent, for you, name two Jags that will take the biggest leap next year. You cannot say Minshew or Allen. That's good. It'll be actually it'll be hard for Josh Allen to take a bigger leap. He had <laughs> That's actually fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Minshew, you just hope, and even he had a very you know productive season for the most part. I think the obvious one here is Josh Oliver. Uh, he has starts from a very low bar. 
and can he have the DJ Chark-esque kind of year? So that's a little hit and hope, but also logical, too. I would say the other guy, and most of us think young, I'm saying Miles Jack. I think Miles Jack now has a chance, and Miles, I've done this two years in a row, and I'm 0 for 2. <laughs> but if you can deliver this time. He's going to re-up again, he said. Here's, I, mean, I feel like this, I feel like Miles has the ability, has the skill set to be a star in the NFL. Yeah. Yet I'm still waiting. Just move nothing. to weak side linebacker enable that to happen? I think they've put him in the best situation they've put him yet in his career. And will he take advantage of it? I gotta believe. Miles is a good, good, good young man. Sure. I I don't know how, like in this time, how driven he is. All those kind of things. I I don't know. I'm not close enough to him to know that. But when you get to this, you know, this stage of it, you've got to have a huge chip. Does he become? Does he carry the yawn chip to say, man, I can't wait to get back on that football field. I am busting my butt day in, day out. I am working harder than anybody else. And if he does that, combined with the move to the weak side and this new focus for Miles Jack, I think he has the chance to be actually one of the most improved players in the entire NFL. As someone that's taken uh, David Johnson three years in a row, first in fantasy (laughs) don't do it this year no do it this year i'm just saying yeah Uh, i've I've tripled down on that one Uh, austin what is your jags hot take for next year Ooh, my jags hot take i mean i can say the defense switching with it come on i've done that like what a million times now something new something fresh something exciting jags hot take Mm. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will switch up their offense so much that they bring back a fullback and use him instead of going with like the the empty backfields um, with Leonard Fournette. I think they use a fullback because um, to be a, a physical running team, I think you need one. So I, I think they actually sign a legitimate fullback. All right, I'll break up the Jags talk because my next ones are all Jags. Well, well, was this. that a hot take? Was that kind of a mild? Uh, that was a medium take. I thought it kind of sucked. That was a mild <laughs> take. Well, come on, hey Brent, go and use your thing and jump on in. We need like a ghost pepper take. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Come on, Brent, what do you got for us? Not ready to go there. Because <laughs> you don't know. It's a hard question. I'm getting these Randy Johnson <laughs> sliders. Right. There you go. Hot take. Interrupter. Here we go. Interrupter. Ready? What do you got? Oh, yeah. Jaguars will have more wins than the Patriots in 2020. <sighs> Go and put that in the books. Put that on the board. Going to go and put that in the books. All right. While he's doing that. Call it a two-toe wager. (laughs) While he's doing that, Brent, um, another question that showed up on Reddit asked, if Clowney does not get top of the market money, does that potentially bring Jan back to the table with the Jags? Um, It should. But I don't think this is about money. The way you have to couch that question is you have to admit to yourself this is about money. It might be a little bit about money. It started, of course, as money. It always does, whether people want to admit it or not. But this has built into more than the money. And what could get Jan back to the table is a lack of interest from other teams, or at least the amount of interest that he is expecting. And an example of that is Clowney right now. An example of that is he hasn't been traded, and there hasn't been enough hot rumors. I think a lot of these rumors were very soft rumors in the last week. To me, there hasn't been enough substantiated rumors 
about, well, things are heating up and someone's willing to give up a first and a fourth form or, or whatever. So that's the thing that I think gets the Jags talking soon, sooner than later. And Jan saying, you know what? This has been a scary time for everybody. I'm going to go get my money. And maybe my money's not as high as I thought it was, but let's go talk about it and see. Uh, that could maybe get him back. But, again, I don't think it's driven by money. I think it's driven by his market. And right now, bigger than that, he ain't getting to the table because I think it's driven by a chip and a separation between him and the organization that he don't want to get back to the table. All right. So the next two questions for Austin are going to be kind of like follow-up questions, but we'll have Brent's answer in between. The first one is, uh, what are what's going to be the Jaguars' biggest weakness going into next year? Mm. I mean, it's hard to answer because I haven't seen the draft yet. But right now, where it's, I mean, once again, tight end is the easy thing to say. The Jaguars' biggest weakness. I think that it's been their weakness now for the past two years, three years, it's their ability to shut down the tight end. I think, um, I mean, I, I can say a lot of things, or defense in general, you know, but I think um, linebacking play and covering the tight end is their biggest weakness right now. All right, Brent. Uh, Stephen A. Smith said today that the Panthers kind of did Cam wrong by waiting so long to release him. Wanted to get your opinions on that. Should they have let him go sooner? Did they have an obligation to kind of help him out well i'm not sure they have an obligation to do so it's a tricky time with cam newton uh, i don't like the way this unraveled i think it was a bad look for carolina new ownership i think it's a bad look for the way you're handling those kind of things with with a guy that meant a lot to that organization a lot to charlotte north carolina so yes i think it was bad i, I agree with Stephen a smith i, I don't think that was uh, a good look at all did they have to do it a different way? No, not really. I mean, they're not going to – what's going to happen to them? I mean, they're not going to be fine. They're not going to lose games. They're not going to lose draft picks. It's just not the way you want to see business handled. We don't know all the details, so we don't know the exact way to do it. But the bottom line is they tried to come out and say it was an amicable thing mm. and it was a mutual thing. Well, obviously, in his font, Cam Newton came out <laughs> and, and, and said differently. But on top of that, it was odd to me that they said those things – and then a day later signed Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. You know, why didn't they back that up a little bit more? Why didn't they say it a few days earlier? To me, the, 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 the divorce between them and Cam Newton and then the instant marriage between Teddy Bridgewater and them was a bad look. And then they tried to, after the fact, get trade value for a guy who can't get a physical right now. and We don't know he's healthy and therefore had to release him. So I think they messed it up on a lot of levels. And more of it was timing and communication with Cam. Um, I didn't like the look of it from Carolina. Brent's crushing this right now. <laughs> the uh, the last question for you, Austin, is where will the Jags be the thinnest going into next year? The thinnest? Yes. Like position-wise, I guess. Punter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he only got one punter. Why, uh, why he weighs 185 pounds, Oh, I, oh, I oh, see yeah, where we're going. <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, I think, once again, this is a tight end position, really. I mean, because here's the thing. Right now, you got Tyler Eifert. Obviously, I... I think the way it's drawn up right now, he's going to be the starter going forward. And Josh Oliver will back him up. But, you know, they're probably going to use a lot of two uh, tight end sets, especially in the run game. So both guys will get playing time. If you analyze the draft this year, not a deep tight end class at all. So you can assume that no one's really going to come in from the draft and make an impact right away. In terms of free agency, you got Delaney Walker out there, Trey Burton supposedly on the, the, the chopping block. But besides that, 
there's not a lot to go around. One could argue, does Jordan Reed get a chance from, from Gruden? Obviously, Gruden spent a lot of time with Jordan Reed. Obviously, you know, where I stand, where I think the guys had one too many concussions, and I think he should seriously consider hanging him up. So I think the thinnest position right now is the tight end spot, but um, it's like 1A, but 1B right now to me at least, depending on what the defense is going to do with their scheme, but it's also the three technique because you go, you go after guys in free agency. Um, they're not household names, but I still want to see the guy that can put the three technique over the, over the top, you know, and whether that's Brown playing out of position a little bit, playing a three technique, or whether that's Kinlaw, you have to go address a situation, especially in the past game where a three technique is so underrated and so vital to making that, that, that line of four work in the past game. There it is. We used our interrupters. We got them all out of the way. Yep. Definitely took longer than 10 minutes. Don, Don Beebe got mentioned. Shout out to Don Beebe. Don Beebe pullback was interesting. Yeah. Uh, of all those things, actually, before we go to break, uh, the, so that's the hot one right now, right? Uh, name your top five receivers. Yeah, yeah. These things happen, by the way. This isn't just a pandemic thing, but I think we're happening more and more. Mm. Like the one that is, is about, I don't really like participating in these things. It's kind of like the shows. I don't know what it is about me, but I, I don't like falling in line with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like say if you tell me that I got to go watch this tiger show, I don't really want to go see it. Then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to go find it myself and, and watch it because I want to, not because you told me to. Yeah. Um, friend's going to come in two years from now and be like, oh, my gosh, this tiger <laughs> show. Well, well, that too, maybe 10, <laughs> uh, but I probably will see it and enjoy it. Um, but these other things like, what was it, five jobs you've had? Have you seen that one floating around? Mm. And five cities you lived in? See, he doesn't spend a lot of time on the on I've the seen that one. So, I don't, <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. You, you've, I've seen them all. I mean, the, those are the big ones in the last week. Five, jo- five, five jobs, jobs you've had? Five jobs you've had. I think it was, and, there and was some kind cities. of... There was some kind of rule with the job one because was it? Yeah, I forget what it was. Was like, it outside of the business that you were in? I think so. This Actually, that's a great... Uh, I don't remember you even had five jobs yet. Oh. We've had three. I mean, I, yeah, I guess, least, I guess, yeah. okay, I got, yeah, okay, yeah. Did you like, but a lot of these jobs were like, like, yeah, it would have been course, for me, right. it would have been like, uh, valet Parker, yeah, you know, uh, bagger at, at a grocery store, yeah, you know, those kinds of jobs. I guess I don't think this is as a job sometimes because I have so much fun, but yeah, you're right. Radio personality, um, MMA fighter, football player, golf course bag washer, or club washer dude, and landscaper. Okay, we're good. You got, got it. it. Nailed it. But again, that might not fit the criteria. I don't, I don't know how the criteria happened. But I was thinking of this today. This would be a, this is one to think of. I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, but I think we could, we could ask some folks this. Okay. Hit me with it. If, because there's so many questions about how everything's going to work out. Let, let's just be real. Let's say, hey, four months from now, the, the, the economic impact of the sports world has been sucked out of everybody. Yeah. Right. That sports radio doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So what job are you <laughs> then going to get? Right. Yeah. So now that you have to go know. get a job, right? Uh, what would you do? What would you do? Like, wh- how do you reach restart <laughs> your career at at ten years after college? Or in my, for me, it would be twenty years after college. I wonder what people would say to that. Uh, you got yours, Coos, but I, I'm not even going to answer it right now because I'm going to bring it up later. I'm going to kind of throw it out there on social media at some point, and I'd like uh, some thought on this one. Because it'd be fast. Like, should you then, I'm going to go get my whatever education and, and be an accountant, mm. right? Or am I going to go back and be a teacher? <laughs> I'm going to be a coach. Or I'm going to be whatever. Math. 
No. I joke. I joke with Nicole about this all the time. Can because people, I'm, can I'm, say our answers? Yeah, if you know your answer, like, I don't even know. What, I need help. Actually, I'm looking for help. He in needs case. to know what he should do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Where yeah, should yeah. I be trending? Well, yeah. I joke about it all the time with Nicole because I'm I'm paranoid all the time. I when I used to leave the house and she was home, I'd be like, "Well, today's the day I'm going to get fired," and she'll be like, "Why?" I'm like, "I don't know. Probably just feels that way." So. I've always told her if I get fired, I'm going to either one be a butcher and work in the meat department at like Publix, or like I'm going to go uh, volunteer stuff. at the zoo and train monkeys. Huh? I think you have to go to college for that, but do you? Yeah, I, I have imagine. no idea. What's the time frame here? Like, I mean, assuming like in the next year, should we well, say? Yeah, or, let's or, just or, say. Let's just say your career. It, 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 by the way, it doesn't have to be somebody took the job from you. It could be like. Okay. okay, I got tired of it, and okay. I want to go reset. Austin Lane one right? came through and took your job. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I mean, so He's honestly, on his way in. So sports radio is out of the question then, right? So something different. Yeah, you okay. got to be – I mean, I'm talking like a total reset. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I got it. You know, it yeah, like I'm not saying, okay, let's just do our show then on uh, Twitter. Yeah. You know, I, I'm saying like you reset everything. You're like, I'm going to start from scratch. Yep. Even though I went to college for this and I've been oh, doing yeah. this and yeah. all this stuff, like yep. where would you go? So I have something in my back pocket that I acquired when I was doing Uber probably two years ago. And I took a gentleman from the beach bars to downtown. This gentleman was in a punk rock. This is a strip club coming up? No, no, I was no, just no, no. sounds like you're about to get into a pyramid club DJ. <laughs> Strip club DJ, actually. <laughs> All right. Make sure you tip on Cherry Daiquiri and book him on the stage. Cherry Daiquiri. You know, no, I'm kidding. No, no. So took this gentleman to downtown, and he happened to be a musician. And he is a hard rock slash punk rock musician, plays the lead guitar. Said that they were in the need of a lead singer in a punk band. And I told him, I don't know, man, I don't know anything about singing. He's like, dude, it's punk rock. It's more attitude than it is talent. So I would probably give that dude a call, and I would probably be a lead singer in a punk rock band. You know, that would fit you perfectly, by right? the way, too. From NFL guy to yeah, MMA man. Yeah. to radio personality to punk rock man. Yep. Please Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, Dude, like, 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 he said, I'm on firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, he, he seriously said, like, you should, like, he wanted me to try it. I'm like, I don't got time, but yeah. Listen, I don't have an answer for you. This wasn't really designed for today, but then we brought up the whole. Come on, Brent, play along, man. No, I really don't know. All right. I, I, Let's listen. That's, that's, there was that's a, sad. No, well, it is sad yeah. in a way, but there was a stage in my career, let's say I'm 42, I would say like 10 years ago, yeah, somewhere in that ballpark, where like everybody in our business at some point, because like maybe you didn't get a job that you thought you were going to get, mm-hmm. or you're like, it's not moving quick enough, or it's like, dang, I'm still only getting paid this, and you're working all these, whatever it might be, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. But it, almost across the board, everybody in our business thinks about it one time or another, all right, I'm getting out of here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and so there was that stretch around the time that it crossed my mind, like, if I got out, what would I do? Like, really thought about it hard. And, well, I put that to bed quick because I seriously couldn't think of something that I, like, I'd rather do at that time. Do you want to come be, a, like, a strip club DJ with me? <laughs> yes. You can do that, man. Now I might need to. Everybody put your hands together and put your hands for Candy K. Right. Come on to the stage now. Take your star tender. It's all right. <laughs> 
So I've jokingly said before that if I did uh, didn't have a job in the next whatever, then I would go work at like Chick Fil A because the people at Chick Fil A always seem to be very happy. Dude, I feel like I, I don't want to sound offensive here. I don't know if you meet the qualifications of a Chick Fil A employee. Like, have you seen those commercials? Like, you have to know sign language. You have to like <laughs> network, dude. Like, I don't know if you fit those qualifications. Hate to tell you, man. Sundays off. Sundays off <laughs> too. Oh, those are nice. Watching football. That'd be a little bit different than I'm the last saying, twenty man, years. Chick Fil A employees, like, there's got to be an intense screen process but i i really don't know like but i'm talking about a reset i'm not talking about something you do for a couple of weeks a, a reset of your career at 35 at 40 at whatever yeah. it is that's an interest listen i, I we kind of laugh we joke a little bit but this is a serious topic i mean i think people are going to have to do that to some degree in the next few months and, and by the way uh a lot of people have had to do that anyway, like in their careers, whether it was a business that went out of business or something wasn't working out. I mean, people do this. I mean, we've been, I've been fortunate to have been doing this for 20 years, but that's not how it always works. Okay, I've always kind of had a theory. If I ever turn to be a professional wrestler, and I want you to come with me here, Brent. We turned out to be professional wrestlers, and our, our stage name is going to be Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll is obviously going to be like the, you know, like the kind of the, the proper guy, the, yeah. the, the eloquent speaker, and then Hyde's going to be like the monster dude. So, so it's going to be me. Yeah, you're Jekyll and I'm Hyde, man, and we're going to be professional wrestlers. I How like does that it. sound? That's very good. I see we're taking this exi- exhibition seriously. Put on the books. Let's make some money. <laughs> I said I, said I was going to be a... Tony Conical right Tony now. Tony Con, Jekyll and Hyde coming uh, to a, a ring near you. I would you be a pretty are... bad wrestler. Dude, he's, he's got to talk. You don't have to wrestle. Like, I'll, I'll do the wrestling. You just hype me up and everything. I don't think I was thinking far enough out, like, there for mine. I, I said just work in public. <laughs> like, I was just going to hey, go cut public meat. Public would be a great job. Be there for a I long used time. To, not in public, but I used to do that. Yeah, that's uh, it's a good gig. All right, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Forget the job talk. We're going back to football. What, what would it have taken for you to stay in New England? I'm not, I don't want to talk about the past um, because that's not relevant to what you know, important in my, you know, future and what's going on this off season for me. And like I said, I had nothing but uh, two decades of uh, an incredible experience and, and um, learning from some of the best players and the best coaches and uh, the ownership of the team. That's Tom Brady talking about what it would have taken to stay in New England. Uh, I guess it was a very cliche laden news conference or teleconference uh Phone call <laughs> for Tom Brady. Uh, not surprising yeah. uh, with the uh, Bucks media. And I think we said this a little bit yesterday. I think the untold part of this, or if you haven't read a lot on, on the Brady stuff, and I'm not saying I'm the most read on it, but I've read a couple articles and some that have really hit me and been like, okay, that makes sense. That's that's why it, it happened. And a lot of it was, you know, this is a guy that said years ago that he thinks he can play until he's 45, 46 years old. And... There were a lot of doubters, and there have been a lot of doubters, but it sounds like the Patriots themselves were big doubters. Mm-hmm. The fact that he didn't get a longer-term extension and had, I think, multiple chances to get it, and they didn't lock him up, I think that ticked him off, and I think that kept with him. And I, I think, I mean, who knows how much that alone weighed in the, on this, but it obviously stuck with him, to the, and maybe to the point where, like, well, you want to keep signing these deals, you're going to lose me. Yeah. And and I think there's a little bit of that going on, which, uh, listen, anybody who's competitive would sit there and say they want to do that, that they would, you know, when you don't get the extension or you only get one for a year or two or whatever it might be, you'd be like, well, wait until this one comes around. And then two years later, you're like, well, we won a Super Bowl and we've been here. Uh, well, he stuck to his guns. Uh, it is my interpretation of it. Uh, 
Uh, who knows? So what would it have taken? I think it would have taken a commitment by the Patriots to see what he saw, that he could still play at a high level, and he's 43, 44 years old. Now, he has to go do that in Tampa instead to prove that he really could have. If Tom Brady willed the Patriots by some miraculous means to an AFC championship game, do you think the Patriots resign him then? No, I guess uh, what I'm I don't think it was the Patriots uh unwillingness to do it this time around. I think it was the unwillingness to do it the last go. Oh, the last go around. So okay. the fact that they didn't sign him to say, "Hey, we are inking Tom Brady to a 5-year deal mm-hmm. so he will end his career if he chooses to at that time." But we think he can play until he's 45 years old. Well, they never did that. And and by the way, I'm not sure that would be the smart and prudent business move to do at the time. I mean, the odds are against that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's easy to go back and say it. But I'm, I'm telling you, I think that's where a lot of the, the angst lies. Now, there could be a lot more than that. You know, you heard the conversations even two, three years ago that there was a lot of back and forth with Kraft and Belichick and Brady and the, the power structure. 20 years is a long time to work with a guy, I think, like Bill Belichick. Uh, 20 years in the same place is tough enough. Um, even if there is success, I think there's complacency that sets in. Kuz asked the question the other day, and I said it last week. I think moving to another place, moving to another job revitalizes you. And when you're 43 years old and playing quarterback in the NFL, sometimes you need a little extra boost, mm-hmm. need a little revitalization. Mm-hmm. And I think this gets the job done. And that's to go with probably any employee at an employer's place. I think you get a little more creative. I think you get a little more jump in your step. You know, usually when you go to a new place, they wanted you so you feel wanted. Of course. Did he not feel wanted in New England anymore on these one- and two-year deals? I think there's a little bit to that uh, even in Tom Brady's world. That's why I always say, man, when in terms of big money contracts, you know, and people say money talks, yes, but at the same time, it's what the money represents. And the money says that we want you this much more than another team would want you. So I think it comes down to, you know, just feeling wanted and and, and feeling loved, which is funny because we always talk about oh, the quarterback's feelings and all this stuff. Well, this is another example of a quarterback in Tom Brady who felt like he, we did, he wasn't wanted in New England and he did something about it. Absolutely. He had the power of play to be able to do that. Uh, I said uh, during our 10 minutes and five questions or 10 questions in five minutes, which has become 10 questions in 10 minutes and 20 minutes and beyond. Uh, but <laughs> Uh, that's okay. Uh, Let's just call it 10 questions from now on. We're the ones keeping the clock. Yep. Uh, I said my hot take. I jumped in with my inter- interrupter and said, Jag's going to win more games than the Patriots this yeah. year. Oh, don't worry. It's, it's on the books right? I have it here. Well, the response from one is, what are you smoking? Yep. There it is. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think somebody else said seconded. Thank you. Ooh. Oh, no, no. That was about the bison. <laughs> Can I change my hot take real quick or not? Actually, Doug just said, when was the last time you were checked for fever? There we go. Uh, listen, here's the deal on the – why do we think the Patriots are going to be so – well, first of all, so good. There's, there's, how many wins do you think the Jags are going to have? Well, I think uh, the over-under is around five and a half. Yeah. And so uh, the, the Jags getting to – in, I guess for me to feel like I have a chance at this bet, they'd have to overachieve and get to seven and eight, seven or eight wins. I don't think the Jags will win at nine games or ten games. Quite frankly, I don't think I'll predict them to win eight games. But I'm betting on a bad New England season. I, I think it's hard to win in the NFL, uh, and the Patriots are about to find that out. I don't think just because you have Bill Belichick, you automatically get ten Ws. 
I know it's been like that, but you don't have Tom Brady anymore. And I understand what people want to say. Well, the year that he didn't have Brady at Castle. Well, go look at that roster compared to what they're going to have or looks like they're going to have. It ain't the same. They had a pretty good defense last year, Brent. They did have a pretty good defense, but it's an aging defense in some areas, too. And I just think they're going to have some issues, man, with this whole yeah. transition. That, that's what I'm betting on. It's more on them. And, yeah, I need a little bit of a bump from the Jags. It, it was supposed to be a hot take, people. Yeah. Uh, Can I change my hot take around real quick? Sure. Well, what was my original hot Here's take? Fullback. Oh, the fullback. <laughs> Probably it's going to happen, whatever. Uh, D.D. Westbrook's going to have more touchdowns than D.J. Chark. Ah, very good. I like I that. I like that one. That's good. Little, I actually little more thought spicy. about going with Westbrook being a, more of a factor. Yeah. But uh, that's a good one. Okay, cool. I like it. And I'm back. That will be sexier than the fullback edition. And I'm, yeah, right? <laughs> Trust me, the, the term sexy and fullback has never been uh, compared together in, in, ever in a sentence. So, and by yeah. the way, your mom was listening to the last segment. She votes for uh, painting houses yeah. over a uh, strip club DJ. I think uh, my job as a strip club DJ and a punk rock singer might be out because mom said I'm painting houses. <laughs> So, I mean, if she wants her house painted, I can just paint it for free. She, I mean, that's a that's kind of a, a crazy way oh, to ask for me to help her out. think she's angling right Maybe there. she's angling a little bit, which I can come back home and help her anytime she wants. Oh, that's very nice of you. Yes. Uh, how many? How much of a fall off do you think the Patriots will have? I mean, I know you have a lot of faith in Belichick, man. I, I have a lot of faith in Belichick. I have a lot of faith in the way they do things, and I have a lot of faith in saying that Tom Brady didn't play good last year. And look at how well they did. Now, the anomaly is going to be, well, look at how many touchdowns their defense scored last year. And as someone who had their defense in fantasy football, uh, ESPN 690 League champion, what's up? Um, I noticed how good that defense was. And can they replicate that? Absolutely not. I don't think anybody's going to replicate what the They're on a record basis in the it first was, like six games. It was absolutely their schedule insane was extremely weak in the how first much half. they're scoring. But you want to talk about weak schedules, though. Let's talk about the Dolphins twice a year. And I get it. Miami beat them last game of the season, but come on. Uh, let's talk about the Dolphins. Let's talk about the Jets. I mean, to me, that's four wins right there. But those aren't right going to be gimmies, man, anymore. That's my point. Are those gimmies anymore who, for the Patriots? Who, who do the Jets have that scares you? Well, they're better at quarterback. Sam Darnold? I, I would take those? their... I would take Sam Darnold over the quarterbacks, any quarterback that the Patriots roll out there right now in their roster. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously that, but like, I'm, Sam Darnold doesn't do it for me, and we don't know what Mammy's going to do yet. I mean, are, are they going to go for Tua? Okay, here's the deal. They're at Buffalo. Uh, they, you got obviously Buffalo team that you, right now you wouldn't pick them to beat them. I like them one in the division. Okay, so say the they're going to lose two games to Buffalo. Sure. I mean, you might not, but you might. Yeah. Might. Yeah. At Houston. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think Houston beats them, but once again, Houston's a mess right now, I think. But go ahead. At Kansas City. Oh, yeah, Kansas City's got that all day. At Chargers. Oh, I'm taking New England. Chargers? For, uh, Chargers don't scare me. Melvin Gordon's gone off, so I could, can he stay out through the whole season? No, I'm not scared of the Chargers. At the Rams. Mm, it's, a, it's a West Coast trip. I'll, I'll give it to the Rams, but the Rams don't scare me either, Brent. Okay, so then you got Miami, Buffalo, Miami, Jets, uh, Denver. Win, win. Oh, I'm taking Patriots all day. At Vegas. <laughs> that sounds so That's weird so when you weird, say right? that. Uh, Patriots. Versus Arizona. Patriots. Against San Francisco. San Fran. Against Baltimore. Baltimore. At Seattle. <sighs> Seattle. Okay, so you said Arizona, Vegas. You said Denver. Yeah, they're going to beat Denver. You said Chargers. Chargers. So that's four. And if you have them sweeping the other, the Jets and the, oh, that's eight. Better believe it. Yep. 
should we go over the Jaguar schedule real quick? And you can talk to me about how we feel about it right now. Well, you said eight, but I don't know if they're sweeping the other games against their division. Yeah, Jets and Miami. But they could they easily, couldn't even do it this year. But they could easily beat the Bills. They could. I don't see them going four and two. I think they're going three and three in their division. And then I think the Chargers are better than them. I think Houston, Kansas City, the Chargers, the Rams. Who's throwing the ball for L.A. right now? Who's their quarterback? Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. <clears throat> I know. I don't like him either. <laughs> but San Francisco, man, Baltimore, Seattle. Oh, yeah, those a tough are, schedule. Those are, those are hard games. I mean, they yeah. have a tough schedule. Yeah. You guys think I'm crazy. Write this down. What day is it? I told you, we're March on the 25th. books. Right? I mean, I, March it's a, 25th. It's in stone right here, sir. Uh, after looking at the that Jag schedule, I feel better. have a better record than the New England Patriots. Patriots are 6-10 and 10 at best. <laughs> I'm done. What time is it? We got two more minutes. I gotta sit through this. I'm trying so hard not to scratch my eyes and just, oh, but I can't because you know everything going on, and I don't want to give a bad reaction to the fans out there watching me on camera. But I'm this close to just gouging my eyes right now. This close. You so close. Six and ten for the Patriots. They're no longer invincible, man. What were the Patriots last year? Good. Ten and six. I don't know. I mean, they went to the playoffs. Well, Patriots. Nah, they actually had the two seats. They must have been like uh, 12 and 4. Yeah. Uh, we got... I mean, they don't make it easy on Wikipedia, do they? Uh, <laughs> uh, they, they went 12 and 4 last year, yes. They went 12 and 4. 12 and 4, really? Brent. Yeah, but, but go ahead. They're going to have six wins next season. Okay. You think you think Bill Belichick's going to allow that to happen? Do you give too much credit. Oh, well, dude. listen... Oh man, I'm Bill Belichick allowed it to happen in Cleveland. I'm telling you right now, if if the really Patriots win six games next season, it's going to be a Netflix documentary where if, Bill Belichick goes out of his huh. mind and he might hurt somebody. If, That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to threaten anybody. He might hurt somebody. If the Patriots only win. Six games next season. You have to go jump on the four foot gator that's outside. The oh, yeah, you see the gator out there, by the yeah, way? I, did. I know. I want, to, I want to take a video with him, but we didn't have time. We talked to gators yesterday. Is he still and out Kuz there? Is like, here we Probably. go. We bring the gator in. Okay, well, if he's still out there, I'm going to go out there after the show. Listen, I mean, how are the Patriots scoring points? I don't know, Brent. I mean, you got Sony Michelle. You got James might be better White. than the, the Patriots. <sighs> Can we relax? How? They're more invested. Come on. They're more invested. I mean, that, that's great, and that looks good on paper, man, but come on. You, you still have you Stephon do, Gilmore. Go what on. if you do it this way? Name the teams that will be worse than the Patriots next year. Careful now, because nah, I'm, 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 I'm this close to having an aneurysm. I'm this close to having an aneurysm. I'm telling you. You think? This close. Listen, I've been here before. It's like I never thought Tiger Woods could shoot 82 in a golf tournament <laughs> and that he couldn't chip. Well, it happened. Yeah, you know, I mean, he went years without winning. It happened. No, like, and, uh, Bill Belichick is not. He does. It, he's not invincible to that well, stuff, but people uh, think he is. Hey, and I get it, man. Greg Popovich, I think, is the best coach in the NBA, and he's struggling as well. Yeah. So, so I understand that. I just think with the defense that they still have, and the head coach, and the, there's, I don't know. I just, I don't see them winning less than eight games. I really don't. Jags, I'm gonna need a little help here now. You got to do your part. Brent, Brent's got Brent's all in on Miles Jack and the Jacksonville Jaguars beating up the Patriots record. Good luck to you, sir. What, what, yeah, what does Vegas have New England at right now? Oh, I bet they have an eight and a half. Oh, uh, I bet they have an eight. The Jags are like five and a half. Did I see, or maybe even four and a half? They still have. Oh, by the way, Patriots still favored to win the AFC East. By the way, um, in Vegas, with how many wins? I'm checking it out, man. See, they, Vegas, they Vegas is playing though? you a fool. That's why. 
Vegas knows you're going to put money on Patriots. Vegas is betting on the degenerates that don't even know that. Jaguars at five and a half right now. Vegas is betting on the degenerates that don't even know Brady's in Tampa. We're not leaving yet. I got got the odd shark thing right here. We're we're staying on. I don't care who the next show is. (laughs) I I really don't care. Who is it? Will Kane? Deal with it, dude. Um... (laughs) Well, this Wi-Fi is just... Sarah Spain. Sarah Spain. Uh, I don't know who you are. You Just deal with it. Um, We're almost there. Uh, it's, it's a pros, man. Sorry. <laughs> what a bummer. What hey, tomorrow, the lead of our show, the over-under on the Patriots win tomorrow. Uh, yeah. You okay? It's, just, it's hard to leave the show. Okay, leave. Whatever. Hey, maybe you can tweet it out or something. We can tease it for tomorrow. Maybe Austin Lane 1 will have it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Try to find that. See if he can get it. I'm done. done. I'm not, I'm not night, saying everybody. goodbye, everybody. I'll see you on TV, CBS 47 and Fox Maybe I'll 30 see you tomorrow. We'll see. I don't know. A lot of things could happen since then. Special guest, Austin Lane 1. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. My rookie year, we had these pills that we would swallow. It goes in your stomach, and then they can come by with like a scanner, and they can see what your body temperature is. Each pill that we took, and keep in mind, 50, whoa, it's 90 guys in training camp, each pill cost 100 bucks. So from that perspective, you're spending that much money per day, you know, for the entire training camp. Yeah, there, there's a lot of money being spent for stuff like that. Well, I just know how many gummy worms I had on the team playing, and I didn't even, I wasn't even part of the roster. Listen weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. in your car or stream them. ESPN690.com. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 